metronome. Damn metronome. That damn metronome. Yeah, yeah, I remember Demon Knight. I remember not being old enough to go see it in theaters, and really, it was unfortunate because I really wanted to. Yeah. That was another one of those movies that uh, we got on the pay-per-view channel. Ah, uh, yes. We could see <laughs> the first 15 minutes and then yeah, Demon black Night. screen. Demon Knight was there for me, man. That was uh, a dope movie. It's It has flair, man. I, I really like that movie. And um, uh, by the way, guys, this is uh, my name is Philip. Sasha. Yeah, and we're talking about our favorite Halloween or favorite scary horror, horror. slash horror movies, right? Uh, favorite horror specifically. We're going to do a scariest ones. Well, for us, uh, it's a subjective thing, of course, but later on, we'll probably tackle the scariest movies. But since it's the Halloween season, more horror movies get watched in October than I would say any month, uh, even though I watch them all year long. So, yeah, I love them. <laughs> uh, I can't get enough. Yeah, Christmas is a good time, too. Christmas or see that's the thing like horror movies have so many you can put so many words before horror and it's its own genre you could put uh psychological Christmas horror holiday horror Silent Night you remember that on the blockbuster shelf Deadly Night (laughs) yeah Yeah, that was a dope one and there's a sequel to that that's not so great Uh, Black Christmas yeah there's some classic uh holiday horror stuff but See, That's like, again, you can put it in the word in front of a psycholo- horror movie. Psychological, uh, horror drama, you can put them afterwards. Horror is such an expansive genre, and uh, there's good reasons for it, too, because it's probably the most engaging type of movie, uh, wholesale. Like, you, you sit in a drama, you go see a drama in the theater, you're sitting there and, and, and your body's tranquil, you're at you're at bay, you know, you're comfortable, you're eating your popcorn, you're drinking your drink, you're contemplating the movie as it evolves. You sit in a horror movie, uh, a good one at least, in the theater, and you're on edge, you're physically uncomfortable for a lot of the movie, uh, your mind is uncomfortable, your your whole experience is, is different than a typical movie-going experience. And for me, that's probably why I fell in love with horror movies as a kid, uh, with a mix of curiosity and like the danger of seeing something that I wasn't supposed to yes, be seeing. the danger. The Forbidden Fruit, I think, was the horror movie for me when I yeah. was a kid. I shouldn't have been watching scary movies at my age, but I snuck out and I watched them. Just peering through your bedroom door to see what your parents were yeah, watching. When they yeah. were asleep or when they were watching a scary movie, I'd like sneak out of your room and there was a place behind the couch that I could just peek over and watch the whole movie without them knowing and yeah, man, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it fucked it fucked me up, man. I had like nightmares forever, but you know, I, I turned out all right. But I'm just saying that yeah. I was a scared fucking kid. Well, there was some fucked up night. stuff in the '80s, bro. There was some fucked up stuff in like '87 when I was four years old and sneaking out and seeing the opening scene of RoboCop. Uh, that that can scar you for life. That was uh, filmed here too, I believe, in Dallas. It? Yeah. Oh yeah, Dallas yeah. looked a lot like Detroit in 1987. <laughs> yeah, or the futuristic, crappy Detroit that it was supposed to portray. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> which is the now current Detroit, That's which was an spot insult, on. Really, when you think about it, well, That's really they were ahead of the they were ahead of the curve with that one because Detroit does look like '87 Detroit now. It's it's pretty oh, yeah. worn down. That's sad. I'm That's sorry. Horror Love movie out to you, itself. Detroit Deans. Yeah, shout out. I like Matt Stafford. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's been okay this fantasy season. But yeah, yeah. Horror movies are uh, to me the most engaging film experience, and like I said, it stems from childhood. 
and wanting to see stuff that you're not supposed to see, just like kids want to play with toys there. You know, when you, I'm a a new dad of a three-year-old, well, not new, new, but when she knows that she can't do something, she's more interested in doing it uh, in future instances. And that's what horror does to you in, in the movie sense. Like you see one or two of them and then the whole can of worms is, is spilled and you want to see as many of them as you can to re-experience that feeling that you felt while watching them. I don't watch dramas over and over and over again unless they're really resonating with with me, but I do watch horror movies over and over and over again <laughs> because they elicit those uh, those, those endorphins yeah. from being scared, man, going down the roller coaster. I mean, that's what it is, the thrill, right? It's the... Uh, Absolutely. So the I, rush. I, I do put horror in two different um, areas for me. There's the jump em scare, like mm-hmm. makes you jump, or mm-hmm. the psychologically scarring, like traumatizing. Yeah. Years later, you're still scared of looking in the mirror because you watched Candyman or something, yeah. you know? That kind of deal. Like, well, so there's the rare there's exception. There's the creep kind, you know? The rare exception, like Candyman, that blends both of those. It's got the jump scares and it's got the psychological horror. And yeah. I think there's a couple of those. Th- on. And you see Candyman in, in there only like 10 minutes or yeah. something like that. It's yeah. like he's Screen like the Jaws. Low. Yeah. <laughs> and Jaws is a, a perfect example. Like you, you don't see a ton of Jaws, but the rest of that movie is pretty horrific. And the buildup to it, that's the horror. People are still scared to go in the water, bro. Yep. Jaws scared the bejesus out of people. People are so scared of sharks. And I mean, come on, man. They're they're killers. I mean, sharks yeah, can absolutely. fuck you up. I'm, I'm scared of sharks. Bro. I don't know if it came from Jaws. Maybe it did. Losing I have no a, idea. Losing a limb, yeah, is should should scare anybody out there. But yeah, that's the that speaks again on horror's psychological impact on you. And not only curiosity, but now that you mentioned Jaws, um, imagination. Like, just letting your mind do the Doctor Strange, uh, all the various possibilities that could happen. That's what's happening whether you know it or not, and like your your compartments of your brain as you're watching this horror movie, it's working out all of the potentials that could take place. So that puts you on edge. Uh, that gets your mind racing, uh, literally. And you're trying to figure out what's going to happen next, but you're at the mercy of the movie, which is horrific in many ways. So, yeah, horror helps us face a lot of stuff that uh, we don't have to encounter off screen. And it's mm-hmm. situations, you know, slashers, uh, creature movies, zombies. They're situations that have parable to some degree in real life. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll get into the zombie discussion here. But but they allow us to see it on the big screen and face it. And there's no other movie genre that sort of hits you with that. Because comedy's comedy. Sci-fi gets there sometimes because it bleeds into horror a lot. But horror movies are something special, man, and they've gotten a bad rap for such a long time, and they've they haven't been recognized by the high ends of of cinema like the Academy and the Golden Globes. They they've rarely been sometimes sometimes like uh, Exorcist was Exorcist was. Academy Awards. I believe, Rosemary's or, Baby, I want to say, has gotten Baby. a couple of mm-hmm. nods, and um, a few horror movies have been staples or whatever yes. when they I mean the exorcist was a whole phenomenon but we'll get into that later but yeah. I mean I think my first movie I'm going to talk about what we were already talking about was Demon Knight Demon Knight Yeah and it's I Tales haven't seen it in crypt. a long uh in a long long time but I used to watch it all the time like all the time it's I fun. thought I thought what well, is 
I think his name is Billy Zane, right? Billy Zane's in it. William Sadler's in it. Yeah, Billy Zane was just, uh, he is really good in that movie. I think for me, it's his best performance. I loved it, man. I'd put it over Titanic. <laughs> he was pretty good in He's Titanic, a dick in too. Titanic. But Billy Zane just was so charismatic in this movie. Like, he was just, because, you know, he's trying to tempt them. That's the whole point yeah. of the movie. Like, they're trapped in a house. And, um, you know, a bunch of, and I love that setting. I just, it's like the a trap setting or the trapped house setting. Both. Okay. Yeah. I love, I love both. the claustrophobic vibes too, man. All, yeah. I, I think all of the movies we're going to talk about today have some element of claustrophobia in them. And I can't wait to dive into that because that's what horror is. I mean, for a lot of people like being trapped is, is just the baseline for horror or a haunted house is the baseline for horror. Yeah. And with uh, Demon Knight, you get both of that. Both I, of yeah. Those. And it's also like, I like survival movies. Like yeah. they're basically trying to survive this night. Yeah. You have like a starting day. point and an end point. So yeah, it's, from it's dust very till good. dawn. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so a bunch of strangers. And I love that too. Like a bunch of, you know, people unique. that, yeah, unique characters that are just there all of a sudden. I mean, Jada Pinkett Smith is yeah, in she's this in motherfucker. This. Yeah. You know? she, she looks good in it too. She's <laughs> yeah. a young. This is uh, I'm glad she's in it, man. Same year, set it off came out, or maybe like a year or two before. So she was she was getting going with like uh, picking some decent movie choices, and she wasn't a big household name yet. And I don't know this this is a fun movie. She doesn't do any horror, I think, later on in her career. So if you want to well, see a Jada Pinkett Smith horror movie, the tie-in would be Scream Two. She's oh, in yeah. Scream Two. That's right. For that's another for one of my favorite mo- movies. For brief. <laughs> A brief segment. Yeah, but it was a good segment, man. So I think yeah. that's probably why they included it. an interesting tidbit about Jada Pinkett Smith being in Demon Knight was that actually the st- I heard the studio was trying to push Cameron Diaz real hard on the director, but the director's like, nah, I'm going to have Jada Pinkett Smith. And it was just like, that's how it was, and that's what happened. So Who directed we this? We could have had Cameron Diaz in Demon Knight at Dang. some point. That's crazy, right? Yeah, that is that is wild because she wasn't a household name either in 95 yeah, I maybe she was. Did she? When did the mask come out? Because I think that's when she blew 94. up, right? Yeah, it was ninety four. So she was probably just hot off the press, man. Yep. And getting bigger roles being asked for. Tales from the Crypt was big in ninety five, ninety six. I think that's bro. the peak ninety five, ninety six because they came yeah. out with Bordello Blood. Yeah. I'm gonna mention Dennis it. Miller's the shit in that movie. He's so good. He's so funny, man. You know, it's weird. It's like it's probably. People wouldn't agree with me, but like Angie Everhart, oh man, I had smoking. kind of a crush on her, yeah. man. And I heard she was like dating uh, Sylvester Stallone at the time, and he got her into that movie. He's like, "This is gonna happen," and fair enough, he made it happen. It, it's a lesser <laughs> movie, but uh, okay, so it's ref- outrageous, really. The movie. Refresh my memory. Did these come out simultaneously? Were they attached? Was this like a uh, grindhouse type deal where you went to the theater and you saw both, or was it just separated? It was separated. So each year, so ninety five is when uh, Demonite came out, and then Bordello Blood came out ninety six. Okay. So and, and the story with that too is that Bordello Blood was actually supposed to be, I believe, the third of the of the trilogy. So they were supposed to. There was a planned trilogy of Tales of the Crypt, and then the second, the second one, some for some reason just didn't make it. And the third one was made into Bordello Blood, which is the second one. And then they completed the trilogy, actually, I think in 2002 with Ritual. So I think it was 2002. Oh, man. I forget the... So they, they actually completed it at some point, but I never seen Ritual. So I didn't go past Bordello Blood. You got me I think me that's where one. it stopped, but... I think that's kind of like a, a young boys kind of fantasy vampire movie kind of thing, because there's so much nudity in that, and you're just like... 
in some Bordello. hot girls yeah. wanting to be with you. <laughs> like it's like once bitten or something, you know, yeah. like Jim Carrey. It's pre from Dust Till Dawn too. So uh yeah, it kinda set the the mark for that. Actually from Dust Till Dawn was ninety six as well. So I I or well, it might have been ninety seven. I don't know. We need to let me check on from yeah, Dust you'll Till Dawn. Yeah, you'll check on that. But yeah, so the the plot of Demon Knight is so okay, these Guys are trapped in like a hotel or something. And it's like a one mansion hotel or something with a bar downstairs and a bunch of people out in the middle of nowhere. And this stranger comes in and then the demons try to come and kill him. And he's got like a vial of Jesus's blood, apparently. (laughs) And so he can actually like drop a, a blood in each doorway and it'll seal the doors where the demons can't come in. And and Billy Zane is the kind of like the leader of the demons. He's trying to take their souls. He's trying to get this uh, thing, the key, which is what Jesus' blood is in. It's actually like a key, a key to, I forget what it is. It's like opening the gates of hell or some shit yeah, like that. There's some, yeah, there's like some the, ominous door and gateway to something. Just like It's a trope of horror yeah, movies like that. It's but not, it's not it's well done in this movie. We can't let the demons get this key, man, exactly. with Jesus' blood in it. From Dust Till Dawn, 90, same year as Bordello Blood, by the way. So that's cool. If you want like vampire hot chicks uh, and that's your thing, 96 is probably the best I believe best 96 year was the year of all these scary movies coming out. Like most there's of a these shit ton of them. Ones. Yeah, yeah. It was like an... Uh, a plethora. Yes. As Three Amigos would say. Yes. <laughs> kind of a spark of a, a mid-90s horror revolution in all the subgenres that we're going to tackle here today, too. Because a lot of stuff, uh, there's there's like this great history to dive into. But it, yeah, anyways, it was cool to see both of those movies in. So, yeah. Yeah, but- I'm going to put, yeah, Demon Knights up there. I just love the performances. I mean, you had a bunch of actually good actors in it. Um, I forget his name that's with the girl. Like, he's getting his nipples. His nipples are clamped by a battery, and she's like, I guess she's like a hooker, and she's turning on the battery, and that's how he gets off. Uh, he, he, man, I forget his name. Do you name. remember his character name? Yeah, well, he was in um, with Paul Giamatti in Sideways. He's the other Oh, what's it's, that guy's name? it's Lowell from Wings. Yes. What's oh, his what's name? that guy? Thomas something. Hayden. 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 Church. I think so. He also played Sandman Church. Spider Man. Thomas Hayden yeah, Church. Yeah, so he was, he's in it. there. So there's yeah, a. Bill Sadler, the bad guy from yeah. Die Hard 2. I, I love him. He's such a great. Uh, yeah, there's so many character. good characters in here. Yeah. And like the guy has to. And he's got a revolver. So the guy, the stranger, William Sadler's character, the one that has Jesus' blood in a key he's shooting the demons in the eyes because that's the only way you can kill yeah, them <laughs> and yeah. it's like he's got a, a six shooter and i'm just like oh, i don't know man shouldn't you have a beretta or a glock or something man <laughs> like i mean that has demon like 17 movies. bullets demon movies are great man you're just trying to hit the eyes demon night is is top tier fun like if you want to turn your brain off for a good horror movie demon night is top of the list like brainless fun Haunted house, closed environment, just, it's a perfect Halloween movie, too. It's like one of those, night, very Night of the Demons-esque. I, I'm sure it got a ton of yeah, inspiration. Yes, so let's please talk about that, because it didn't I, it didn't make the list, Night of the Close, Demons, right? one and two. Oh, man, and you know such what seen, a good movie. Man, it's so outrageous. I love it. It's, yeah, like, crazy. But it's creepy, too. Yeah, well, definitely the makeup for Angela yes. is, it's still kind of freaky. Like, yes. I watch it. But it, even though they try to make it funny sometimes, especially in the in the second one, they didn't know how to do 
makeups well enough in the 80s, in the early 80s of horror, to the point where a lot of those movies are scary to observe because you're expecting like the refined makeup process of Greg Nicotero or something like that. Um, and what we've gotten accustomed to to creature effects is so high state of the art that once you see the creature, it's not scary anymore. Yeah. But in stuff like Night of the Demons, and even Demon Knight to some degree, even after the the demons are introduced, every you kind of you want to look away when the next scene comes up because it's in your face and it's it's grotesque is the word. It's it's very yeah. It, it's not pleasant to look at because it's sloppy. And I don't know if that was intentional or just what they were working with in the early eighties. But Night of the Demons is one of those movies where group of kids, empty house, yes. uh, demon nights, demon nights more adult house is what it was called, right? Yeah. And once in this house, um, the, just like yeah. a couple of the characters start morphing into demons. demon versions of they themselves. They get possessed, but yeah. demons come out. And I think because they were doing a seance in the fucking house, weren't they? Yeah, it was. Um, and they kind of released it out like they had it coming. Mm-hmm. But like, but great it, movie. It's it's one of those movies that's that's back in the eighties, and that's just like. There's going to be nudity everywhere. Yeah. They're going to have just gore everywhere. It's going to be ridiculous, you know? And I mean, come on. There's a scene in Night of the Living Dead, uh, sorry, Night of, Living, a Night of the Demons uh, 2 where the girl, she's seducing the jock and she pulls open her shirt and shows her titties uh-huh. and he goes to grab her boobs. Bites his hand off? And, and <laughs> hands come out of her boobs oh, like, man. and grab them. They're like covered in acid and they're like, oh, they're like burning his hands off and stuff. And it's just like, and, and the prosthetics are pretty good. Like if you watch that, if you watch that scene, I'm like, now I don't even look at it as sexual. I'm just like, wow, that was pretty good, man. Yeah. They fucking nailed that uh, that whole prosthetic thing because I, I was fooled. And there wasn't any CGI that could do something like that. There was really bad CGI back then. Well, uh, I'm glad you mentioned demons because obviously they're, they're underappreciated in the horror genre, I feel. And my first movie is going to be another underappreciated sort of, you know, lore creature uh, horror aspect. And, and that's witches. And this is probably my favorite witch movie. And that's the Blair Witch Project from 99 and this goes this, controversial oh man so controversial uh heather donahue i want to say is her name or uh, is the, the, main, the main character main. so it was so controversial this is 1999 so uh documentary film making uh which has since turned into found footage when it's rooted in fiction um it didn't exist so this is the inception of that this is the start of big screen uh, they really got you too, man. They yeah. made a whole website. Whole website. I remember everything. going to the website so much so that the people who the the folks who were easily swindled and easily convinced that this was real, they sent letters to Heather's mother and father uh, because she was never found. And the the rollout was that this girl had never been found. She's still missing, and she went on this trip in the woods with her friends. And people sent condolence letters and and well-wish letters to the family because they were so convinced that this was real. I'll admit, I was 16 when this movie came out. I wasn't old enough to go see it on my own. I had to convince my, at that time, I guess he was in his 70s, my grandfather, to go see this with me because I was so curious. And I was so, it was was a, a very unique moment in movies for teenagers because... 
you had this movie, this is pre-internet almost too. In 96, I mean, you've got the internet, but it's not anything like it is now. So you can't, you can't tap into your curiosity notion and figure everything out about something. Like today, if a movie comes out and says it's real, but it's, it's, you're not sure if it is or not, you can go online, you can pretty quickly figure out if it's legit or not. You know it's not. Yes. Come on, people. It's not. Well, Unless it's yeah. a documentary. <laughs> Unless it's a documentary, tit for tat, or cannibal holocaust, which scares the shit out of me that that was Be careful real. for the mockumentaries. Yeah, the mockumentaries are terrible. Don't, n- don't let Spinal Tap get you. List. Don't <laughs> let Spinal Tap get you, folks. So, but back in, in 99, um, you, you could still figure out if it was real, but... Going to see it was more fun. And so I was 16 at the time. I got my grandfather to go see it with me. And the tone of that movie is nuts. Like the the ten, the intensity and all that. It It's the first found footage movie I've seen. And it set the bar for so many of them. And uh, Definitely. Yeah. And that's another thing that we'll talk about here. In Ingenious sort of creativity in the horror genre sets the bar so high that it can spawn off entire subgenres if it's done right i mean we'll we'll get to this with a couple of movies on our list because there's the slasher the modern definition of slashers the historical greatest slashers of all time this is the best found footage movie i've ever seen in my opinion because for sure it's it definitely was it's a group of friends going on a on a trip to the woods and that's scary in itself it, because these are the Maryland woods and there's a history to them. So if you go into a place that you know has a history, a haunted history, you know some crazy shit is going to happen, especially if it's on in the movies. But even in real life, like people, the daredevils who do this sort of stuff and, and the paranormal researchers and all that, the expectations there for some crazy shit. So it ratchets up the intensity right off the bat. But it doesn't unveil itself as like a traditional horror movie. There's no there's no creatures within the first 30 minutes or anything like that. It's putting the pieces of the puzzle together and there's little it it gets worse and worse as it goes. Things start off very slow and you're forced to endure through it and you actually notice that things are progressing worse. So that's what makes it even more frightening and horrific. Because on night number one, they wake up and there's like a branch, uh, a branch turned into the little Blair Witch symbol hanging from their camp. No, bi- the no big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Night two, things intensify. Night three, one of the friends disappears. Night four, they're feeling like they're in the twilight zone and they've lost all sense of direction, which is another great element of that movie that taps into like parallel universe sort of style, sci-fi-ish. They've lost, like, their compass is, is circling in circles. There's there's a lot going on in that movie that just scares the shit out of me. And then when I look back at it now, it's such a monumental moment for horror movies because found footage is, like, it's become a huge thing. This movie was made on 60K, 60,000 yeah, bucks. I was just about to say that. That's what I love about it. It grossed rough estimate in the 200 to 250 million dollar range. About I, I 248 million. Okay, so, I was looking that up, the right. numbers, that's what I was doing cuz I was like, yeah, we want to be precise with that because that is I don't know my percentages, but that's a fuck of a large percentage. I believe a little over $10,000 for every dollar spent. That's nuts. And that speaks more on Time horror as yeah. a whole as well because a lot of horror movies 
are low budget and high gross. And that speaks on what the audience is so attracted to in these things. They they love the feeling of being scared and, and being in those positions. And Blair Witch, to me, was the first movie that I sat through start to finish that frightened me for over, you know, three quarters of the movie length. And it was, was also a found footage. Yeah, it was shook. The yeah. ending of that movie, I don't want to, sp- I don't want to spoil nah, that. We got to spoil it. Come on, man. That's the whole point. Like, so that's why I love oh, this man. movie. All right. Is because they never show you. Yes. The witch. And, and if they would have showed me the witch, and this is what I want to talk about, that so many movies have let me, or horror movies have let me down. You get to see her in Book of Shadows. Of <laughs> Blair Witch too. That piece of shit. Don't no, see that. No, but like I'm just saying that Blair Witch, man. It's just like they, I'm glad they didn't show me because my imagination is going to terrify me more than most of the time. What you can show me, otherwise, you're kind of expanding my idea of horror at that yeah. point. Like I never could have thought of this, and it freaks me the hell out. Yeah, and it's hard. That's hard to do. That's your like mind still. Wa- it's still wandering. Yeah, you know, twenty five years later, or uh, I'm sorry, my it's weird. You there. just see 20. him standing. In the corner, I was going to ask you what's the, what's the most memorable scene you have of this movie? Because for That's me, it's one. that scene where he's in the corner and, and he looks done. like he's demonically possessed and lifeless, and something is. And then is somebody hits over her, him. and the fucking camera just falls, and that's I'm, finito. I'm, I've got done. chills thinking about it right now yeah. because I I can put myself in my 16 year old shoes watching it for the first time and literally being frozen in the theater and not wanting to see what happened. And then the directors, uh, I forget their names, they're, they're a couple of brothers, or maybe it was a girl and a guy. Uh, the Merrick, uh, Daniel Merrick is one of them, and I don't remember the other one, but man, how exquisite for for them to do something like this. Yeah. And, I, and another reason why I love this movie, because I think this movie represents a lot of horror. And even, let's besides the point that a lot of people hated this movie, <laughs> like a lot of people hated it. It's a very controversial movie. There were people some were getting snobby, sick with yeah. uh, the motion sickness, yeah. um, you know, things like that. Some people felt jip. Some people loved it, you know, mm-hmm. but what I love about this in all of like horror movies in general as a film lover is that this is the one of the number one movies that you can make with a shoestring budget yeah. and make a ton of money. In fact, some, sorry, most of our best scary movies were done with very little budget. Sure. And it spawned franchises. I mean, oh, you talk man. about paranormal activity. Yes. $15,000. But you go back to like, let's. I'm going to have to talk about Wes Craven at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, the last house on the left when he did that sure. and it traumatized me that movie. Yeah. Like I can't watch it again. It's just too much for me. That's but, a different type of horror, but yeah, yes. for sure. I mean, he did the Hills have eyes, yeah. you know, all these, they're basically shooting them out in the middle of nowhere. Even evil dead mm-hmm. was a, all low, these are independent, low, budget. low yeah. budget movies, but Blair, Witch was the most successful out of oh, all man. of those blew, by far. It blew up. Yep, it was. Yeah. That's crazy. Sixty thousand dollars for a couple of guys coming out of college. Sixty thousand. Yeah, so that's like a high end car. Yeah. Now. Yeah, that's that's all it takes apparently, and even less because well, Blair Witch that was spawned back then. Yeah, it spawned the found footage genre and the hype that that went nuts in the nineties, and it took a while for it to like Cloverfield came out yeah. and. Uh, what was it? Unfriend Me? Did you see that Un- one? Unfriended? Unfriended, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, that movie's not terrible. But, no, uh, bef- it's not. Before that, you know, it, it took a while for the found footage genre to reinvent itself. And there are some really great gems out there. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Poughkeepsie tapes. 
I've been mean, man, that's been on my cue list for Ooh. I don't know how long. Man, I've heard it's nuts. really good. That movie's nuts. It's Maniac from a found footage point of view. So Maniac's just a classic uh, first. <sighs> I've been you mean, get the first perspective of a serial killer and he's just where going can nuts. I find this movie? Maybe at the library, bro. Maybe at the library. Uh, the library's gold for so many dude, things. It's not even on Netflix. Like I have it on The Q, original Maniac? Like the, no, the Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh, Poughkeepsie tapes? Well, Poughkeepsie. I've got I've got that uh, at home too, bro. So time, I can bring man. that over. Yeah, I, It's been on my cue list for like five years and it just there's no uh there's no physical i guess blu-ray or dvd for it in netflix's library category see see i've seen another movie that i put in the poughkeepsie tapes kind of realm is um the uglies have you ever seen this Uh -uh. movie man it freaked me out dude it's i think it's filmed in new zealand okay and it's it's about a killer who goes to a therapist and it's just he's hearing these voices and he calls them the uglies and man the way the uglies look Man, it scares you. It's ugly. Yes, it is. It, it's kind of freaky. But anyways, that's not one of the favorite movies. We no, kind of digress. But um, we were talking about um, Blair Witch. Blair Witch. And so, then yes. we segued to found footage, which is like uh, why it's probably on my list. Here is it's it's one of the scariest movies I've seen. I may end up talking about it when we talk about the scariest. Maybe not. Probably not. But uh, found footage pioneer. Um, the it's the best witch movie I've ever seen, and. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it hit all the right cues And that's cues because they didn't show you me. the witch. They that's didn't show why. us the witch. But they show you everything but the witch. They show you the results of the witch, which Scratching is even more frightening. Scratching was pretty oh, creepy. Oh my God, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the Blair Witch Project by now, and a lot of young people out there haven't, and they're okay with just settling with the found footage stuff we get here, go see the granddaddy of them all. And uh, that's Blair Witch. It's... It was done Phenomenal. right. Phenomenal. It's still good. It holds up well. It's intense. The acting is the hist- realistic. It's a historical movie, I think, at this point. That is a h- historical movie, yep. Yeah. 20 and, years later. 20th so, anniversary, actually. Yeah, with those shoestring budgets, man, I love them for it. And I'm going to segue into like Wes Craven's movie, which is A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 for the me. Dream Warriors. It, yeah. Actually, that by that time, it already like was a well-established franchise, 3. Um but I love that movie so much. I don't know why. It, it scared the crap out of me as a kid. It's probably not so scary anymore. I haven't seen it in a little bit. But um, I think that's the start of when Freddy Krueger started getting his little uh, one-liners. You know, it, it kind of, I guess, de-evolved later on. Sure. But his most his most famous line from that movie is when there's this girl. So in the psychiatric war, she's, she's a smoker and she's staying up late watching a movie. And she's always like, I'm going to be a TV star. And so she falls asleep and then TV comes, or sorry, Freddie comes out of the TV and he grabs her and he's like, it's prime time, bitch. And then uh-huh. puts her in the TV and kills her. Yeah. And that's like one of his the famous king lines, of man. man. Yeah. In horror at least. Yeah, for sure. So it is outrageous, but I just thought it was very creative and I've, I love the whole dream thing because we don't really know much about our dreams. We don't. And it's one of those, it's, it's still magical in a way because we have no idea. Yeah. Why do we dream? Yeah. We don't know. And what can happen in dream? Can you actually die in a dream? We don't really know. Some people will tell you they can. And in Nightmare on Elm Street, that really challenges that. Like what happens in your dreams? Sure. Can a ghost come back and kill you? Um, and he's horribly scarred. He has knives on his hand. He's just incredibly iconic. 
you know, and Robert England just, I don't know if you can, I mean, they try to do Nightmare on Elm Street later without him, but it's just, you, you kind of. Jackie Earl Haley wasn't a bad Freddy Krueger. It's just, yeah, the bar is set too high. It's, it's too a little icon- too iconic. Yeah, yeah, way too iconic. And, 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 you know, it was an okay movie, the new one, uh, the one where they try to reboot it, mm-hmm. because I'm not talking about Wes Craven's new Nightmare. That No. That, I kind of liked it's, it. It's it was okay. It was kind of yeah. weird. It's a yeah. world within a world. Like, it's cool. It's I've seen that cool. movie so many times, and I, I like it a lot. A Hansel yeah. and Gretel kind of yes. uh, spin on it, and I kind of liked it. Um, and it has a very dreamy feel to it. Yeah. Uh, like most of the Nightmare on Elm Street, because, I mean, at the end of the day, it revolves around a killer that can kill you in your dreams. So, yeah, they yes. have to all be dreamy. There are some duds in the series, but uh, part three Definitely big is duds. not one of them. And, uh, yeah. No. I, I loved it. I love the 80s feel to it. Um, it came out in uh, 1987. Um, it was Patricia Arquette's first movie. Oh, she debuted okay. in it. And, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street actually spawned a lot of first-time Johnny Depp in the yeah, first sure. one. Uh, also, people that don't know, Lawrence Fishburne is in this one. Oh, He's cool. a janitor at the psychiatric hospital. Dang. So in this, in the story is really about a bunch of teenagers that are starting to have nightmares and they start having psychiatric problems because they don't want to sleep, you know, and they are all having the same dreams. So it's the kids from season of the witch all grown up because that's an underrated horror movie. <laughs> Halloween three season of the witch. Oh God. It's yeah. a bunch of kids in, probably that are impacted by uh, TV. Halloween. Yes. That, that, that jingle gets stuck. You know in what? Head. I was mad at that movie for so long because I, I had rented one, two and three in a row yeah. from blockbuster. You were expecting Michael. I was expecting Michael. I was like, when is michael coming yeah he never came nah. and uh, the night he did was a come kid home. though <laughs> yeah i was like 11 watching these i shouldn't have been yeah but, right uh but yeah man nightmare on elm street 3 what's cool is that they're on a psychiatric hospital right the kids are there and they all start realizing they're having the same dream of the same person in walks in a counselor basically who is uh the girl from the first one she, heather lingan yeah she comes okay. in and she's older and she understands what these kids are having now, what's special about this these this group of kids is that one of the kids, which is Patricia Arquette, she has an ability to bring other people into her dreams. Ooh. So when she does that, when they start dreaming, she pulls them into her dreams, and then they're able to control their dreams together oh, nice. and try to defeat Freddy. And so... And, well, we know where Chris Nolan got his idea then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't think about that. Uh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it does have some elements of it for sure yeah so i really i dug that concept because like when i was a kid i would have nightmares and so i would try to control your dream have you ever tried to do that when you're like Absolutely. dreaming and you're like i'm dreaming i know i'm, I'm dreaming let's this. have fun yeah yeah, yeah i'm gonna sure. fly or i'm gonna freddy krueger's here no nah, he's gonna be my friend or something or he's yeah you just do that so i was i was i really like that about that as a young person mm-hmm. um, because I was frightened. <laughs> I had nightmares. I was scared of the dark. I mean, you watch a lot of those and you know what? Scary movies do make you a smarter person. You're not going to do. go down that dark alley oh, absolutely. at midnight and you heard absolutely. some scraping. <laughs> do you know how much better prepared we are for a zombie apocalypse now than ever before? Cut I mean, off the head. We all know this. As long right? as they don't exceed the running speed as say they do in some of the movies we'll talk about here in a little bit but as long as they don't exceed world war z running speed and like clumping together i'm good bro bring these on if they're zombie land level or walking dead level of of motor skills man i'm looking forward to that day <laughs> now i don't know not me man because it spawns people like negan uh, true. I'm, I'm like, yeah. it's the people you got to be scared of, not the not the zombies. Not that the zombies wild. themselves. That's deep, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. The whole dream aspect. Uh, so, 
movies in general to me work a lot like dreams. They're sort of an assault on every sense. Uh, the ears, the eyes, um, not necessarily the smell, but um, <laughs> it's it's as close as we can get to dreaming, I think, in the wa- in the waking life, uh, awoke, and uh, besides daydream dreaming of course so when i look at horror movies i sort of look at them as the nightmares as the you know when we're sitting down watching a comedy or a fun action movie or a fantasy movie that's tapping into some of the bits and pieces of our dreams necessarily that we may not be able to remember that people have fleshed out creatively in a script and the uh, the opposite of that is the nightmares and the stuff you don't want to talk about. Here it is on the screen, front and center, and that harkens back to just another reason why I love this genre so much is, yeah, I mean... The it, people that love this genre as well are like... Fucked up. They're fucking <laughs> in, son. Like, I, my friend bought me a, a pass to one of those uh, Halloween fest or whatever. Yeah. Not Halloween or like Fright Fest. Yeah. It was like at a Hilton Hotel bottom and it's like, they had stars there, man. Yeah. I actually saw... Um, Heather Langenkamp goes to a lot of them. Probably, <laughs> yeah. They actually had... Who was there? Like, Ron Perlman was there. Nice. Another Ron Perlman. Yeah. Um, and Ron oh, uh, Savini was there. Four, if you're keeping count. Yeah. Uh, like, of all the episodes we've <laughs> talked about him. Exactly. Ron Perlman. He's, uh, he's an awesome guy. But, mm-hmm. dude, a lot of people were there. And people that were, like, in just... Like, Billy Zane was there. Mm. He's a lot older now, but he was there. You could bring your Demon Knight DVD and have him yeah. sign it. But it was like, wasn't that the only scary movie he was in? I don't know. The Phantom was pretty scary, but for other reasons. Dude, scary at the box office. Diamond Dallas Page was there. What horror movies he been in? He, I guess he was in some B budget horror movie, but I, I was maybe there. a Rob Zombie movie or something. Maybe something like that. Yeah. And I went there to just say what's up because he's my what's favorite up? wrestler DDP? of all time. Bang. So I was like, "What's up?" Yeah, Bang. I got a picture with him and that belt. Did you hold heavier. your? Did you hold your diamond up? Nah. I, oh yeah, we did. We, oh, we shit. two halves together. Oh, His in my that's hand. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> DDP. No. Shout out to DDP. He's turned his career into something beautiful, man. The I'm DDP glad, yeah. yoga stuff. That's great. I know. I'm all into it, but I'm. But those those fans are so into it. I mean, they're yeah. bringing kids, and people are dressed in Jason and Absolutely. the ki- I saw Hellraiser costumes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like I, I brought my wife. She was scared. She was looking around like, "Who are yeah. these insane?" It's people? Halloween. It's a darker Halloween. But there's a camaraderie there. Yes. Like people there are so nice. Mm-hmm. And I saw like a kid, like a three year old, go and hug Jason. And this guy was terrifyingly like good at looking at like Jason. He was a big guy. <laughs> yeah, and he went all out, man. He even had makeup underneath the mask and this kid gave That's him crazy. a hug like it was just like he's my friend yeah man like whoa like it's it's a different culture but horror, it's horror is the only genre where if you go to one of those events uh you your expectation for for the folks that are there you're all sharing at least the same base knowledge uh of the genre and you fell in love for the same reasons that the stranger you've never met fell in love with the movies and you have that core that you can build off of unlike other genres because there's no action movie conventions. There's no, there are sci-fi movie conventions, but there's no like general Hollywood conventions for fans to go to and, and soak in because you can, all those other genres, you bring in what you like uh, and you pick out horror or action movies that you like and comedies that you like. You can't meet up with other people. There's no dumb and dumber convention or anything like that. But when it comes to horror, there's such a there's about 15 or 20 movies that everybody shares in common as greats as the classics the pioneers yes. of it and when you go to these conventions you see it 
all I've been to a handful of them, and you're Maybe right. Maybe it's because they're the outcasts, the weirdos, the strangers, the the people that came together on the outskirts. It's like they all share this camaraderie that yeah. it's like we're not normal. Yeah, and that's it's cool. very that's anti-conformist okay. too. Yeah, so it was like what I love about that too is that you can make one good scary movie. Yeah. And they will love you forever for it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you make 15 bad ones after that. They will love you for that one great scary movie. And that's what I was like. I, I kind of like fell in love with the crowd, even though they were creeping me out because some of their costumes are like phenomenal. Yeah. And like when you have a girl that looks like the exorcist, you know, coming out of the restroom, you know, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, she looks pretty... good. Like, like, I mean, not good, <laughs> but like. She looks exactly like her, and it freaked me out. Dang. They go all out, man. And so I appreciated that. I was like, wow, yeah. that's really cool. And so, I mean, another one of those things is like, so Wes Craven made his whole career basically off it. So you have a few directors that have stayed in the genre, have become big. And I'm going to use that segue to Scream 1 and 2. Do it. Because, man, growing up, Scream 1 and Scream 2, it was like almost like a cathartic thing for me to see those movies. Because it's like all the scary movies I've seen. And finally, there are some real rules that are abiding by. Like, I mean, these are the things we all know, right? And it's like, you have the Jamie Kennedy character telling them basically. Randy. Yeah, Randy. Like, hey, you cannot have sex in a scary movie or you will die. He's the guy who goes to the horror movie conventions and knows all this He works at the Blockbuster. I mean, he's over there telling them, you can never say, I'll be right back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, you can't. He's smart enough, but he's still at the mercy of what's going on in this movie because this movie, while it sets the rules, also breaks them to me. That's what I loved about it, too. It did have me guessing until the end it, it's opening the 15 minutes are man. some of the best some of the best 15 minutes in nobody any thought drew barrymore was gonna get cut up in the first oh bro i've Dude. got a couple i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this and we're gonna get deep in the scream here in a second but i got a buddy of mine who i've been teasing about this for some time because the scene where drew barrymore ends up hanging and her parents come home and her guts are spilled out I send him screenshots of that scene over and over again because he can't take it, man. That's one of his most frightening moments in movie history. So I capitalize on it. And if you're listening out there, uh, for sure, just remember that scene where she's hanging and the guts are just spilled out all over the place. She's in that white outfit. So it's the contrast is all there. What a beautiful movie, man. Beautiful Seconds, movie. man. I love that Wes Craven just played on everybody's expectations as well. Yeah. He's a master, man. He just, and like like I said, I love the suspicions. Like, is it Billy Loomis? You know, and you at first it's like, it's so obvious. It's like, it can't be him. It's so obvious. Yeah, the red herrings are all him. over the place. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm ruining all these movies. So if you haven't seen these, if you haven't man. haven't seen Scream, it's, it's 90, you shouldn't be listening to 96, our five. Scream 1 came out in. Yeah, 96. If you haven't seen Scream, you shouldn't be listening to a podcast about the best horror movies of all time. No. And and 97 was Scream 2. And I kind of lumped those two together. They felt very like cohesive from one to the next. They sure. felt the third one and the fourth one, they just, they didn't feel the same. Something yeah. was off. It just felt forced. Well, we've seen it done better by the same franchise. So again, you're not, it's so hard to match the benchmark that mm-hmm. is set uh, with a lot of these movies because 
the first movie, just like the first album in in a music artist's career, it's a culmination of your life and your idea and and putting out your creative thought. And Scream, granted, is done from a master of horror, but it's not written by Wes Craven. It's written by Kevin Williamson. Yes. Uh, and that up to that point, this guy's been doing Dawson's Creek, uh, a lot of cheesy uh, teen stuff, and all of a sudden you get Scream, which when the yes. trailers came out, it was it looked... It looked like a cheesy slasher movie, and to some degree, it's got those elements, but man, it's a horror movie, too. It is a legit horror movie. People are still wearing ghost face masks. He's one of the most iconic uh, slasher characters, bad guys in horror movie history. He made a cheap mask into something that's going to be there forever now. And it was made from that painting, right? What was the painting called? uh, Starry Night? Scream. No, I think it's called Scream. Yeah, there's no Scream face. It's Starry Night. Yeah. Yeah, I don't no. know why I mixed those two up. <laughs> I know what you're talking oh, about, the, the O-Face with yeah. the, the droopy. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that movie, for me, as I guess I was like a teenager, I guess, growing up, and I was just like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'd known all along, The what you abide by in a horror movie. Oh, that girl's having sex? She's going to die soon. Yeah. You know, oh, that guy said he's going to be right back? He's going to die soon. Like, uh, they have these tropes, like, in the movies, so it's like you're expecting them, and he just played on that so yeah. well. And it was smart. It was a good cast, and I loved how they just misled you. Because remember, Drew Barrymore was like the biggest person on the screen. Yeah, you know, they even advertised poster. her on the poster like, so as you like thought one she was, of the credits. Yeah. yeah, you thought she was the main character, maybe. Sure. You know, ne- Neve Campbell was like a newcomer, relatively, I guess. You know, I don't know much about. Yeah, she her hadn't been beforehand. in Wild Things yet, which really yes. took her to new plateaus. Nail in the coffin, really. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, for me, I, I, Scream was just there, like, during the peak times when I was, like, watching scary movies. And I thought, this is exactly what I've been waiting for because it's smarter than the rest. I hated the pretty girl tripping and then, like, she, the guy goes back for her and he dies. And, you know, it's like these these rules. And it did break a lot of them. It had two killers, too. Yeah. That's something I didn't see coming. Yeah. And, and I guess you could kind of have thought about that. Sure. Like, you know, but... Man, it really messed with you. And then even the second one, it kind of switched things up. It, the killers were completely... The second one was a bigger scope. And that's yeah. what I liked about the second one is it followed the formula of the first one pretty close, but the scope was bigger. And Scream 1, most of it takes place... Um, I mean, the first half of Scream 1 is in the city, which is a smaller town than Scream 2. In Scream 2, yeah. they're in uh, L.A., I think, or yeah. at college in L.A., yeah. But the first one is a small town, and then maybe the last forty-five minutes take place at the last party, uh, the the party of the night, or the the gathering of all of them at um, yeah. s- not Sydney Prescott's house, but um, yeah, no, you're one right. of the it, boyfriend's it house. Happens so it's all very at confined. Once. Yes. Well, actually, There's I think the in Scream too. Actually, it does happen. Like they, like she, tr- she's in, um, she's in theater and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, she's she tries in college. To do it, it's and the the guys look like they're trying to stab her, and she runs out. She has like a little breakdown. She doesn't want her boyfriend to be around her anymore. Mm-hmm. And then they take the boyfriend up because he's in a fraternity and gave him her his letters, remember? Yeah. And they like beat him and they have him on the cross. Yes. And uh, so it all takes place in the in the campus actually, except for when the cops take her and they're gonna leave, and then the cops get their neck slashed. And then 
Remember her and oh, her roommate, they have to escape from in front of the killer when he's like knocked out. Pardon me, Philip, and thanks for correcting me because Scream 3 is the one that takes place in the big, big scope of L.A. So it's weird how those sort of the settings of those movies got bigger and bigger as they as Well, that's they the rule. Yeah. Even uh, Randy says it. He's like, the sequels, you have to be bigger, better. That's true. You can't, you can't just go I, back and be the same Very anymore. true. Thanks, can't Randy. Too much. Yeah, Jamie Randy Kennedy's. knew everything. If you just listen to Randy, you're going to survive the horror movie. Matthew Lillard's good in Scream 1, um, who, you know, he's not good in the I love movies. Matthew Lillard in the, in the first one. Like, yeah, I felt great. like he's not iconic. Skeet great in the first one, he too. He was another guy at the, yeah. ho- the, the, the Fright Fest. Of course he was. I mean, he's made a few, though. He was in 13 Ghosts, and he was in a couple of other ones that I didn't see. But, Chill uh, Factor was horrific. <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was a, a great serial killer in that one, because yes. he was so, he's like... Man, I think I'm dying here, man. Like when they cut each other yes. and they have their stories, like, man. That's Matthew Lillard going, hey, Billy, I think I'm dying here, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 exactly. His facial expression and, yeah, it, it was great. <laughs> and there's the whole um, there's the whole subplot of Sydney and the loss of her mom. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, Cotton. Yes, and Cotton Weary, played by Liev Schreiber. I mean, he stays with it. In the if second I'm, one, he comes in the third and one, too, them. yeah. He might be, but you know, when I saw it and I was like, is that Lee Shriver? Like in the yeah. little news? Cause he was very like, he wasn't even in Scream One. He just came on the TV yeah. to show you like there was this guy that apparently killed and it was framed. Mm-hmm. And here is the real killer, which is Billy, who's Skeet Ulrich. Basically, what they say is poor man's Johnny Depp, I guess. But I think, I think Skeet Ulrich is pretty good. He's been in some good ones. I think that's unfair to say. Yeah. Really. He's got a cool, cool name too Skeet, Skeet Ulrich. Skeet. I mean, why did they do the whole Skeet thing later? Like, did they make it from his name? Uh, I don't know how that no, came about. That's in, a Little John in, thing. In vernacular. Little you know? John and Eastside Boys. Yeah, but maybe he watches Scream, bro. Maybe. He was like Skeet, Skeet Oldridge. Skeet, Skeet, Skeet. Yeah, that's probably where it came uh, from. Perhaps. That's another we gotta podcast ask him for another time. day. <laughs> uh, the rest of that cast is pretty strong, too. David Arquette as uh, yes. Dewey. Great. Patricia Arquette's brother yeah. from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Of course. Wes Craven as well. Wes Craven. Yeah, there, there's that affiliation there. He's Actually, an Arquette family fan, probably. So or, he was the writer on Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Wes Craven. The oh, guy who directed it was Chuck Russell. Ah, uh, who's gone on to do such things as the his ma- racer. Yeah, racer, the mask, the blob. Dang. And um, Scorpion King. Good old Chuck. Chuck. Chuck yeah, Russell. so good for him. I'm telling you, I think that was his first movie, too, directing Chuck Russell. Nice. And then it kind of launched him in his Nightmare career. Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the series, was one of those series that uh, after Craven went away, um, it, it became sort of a launching platform for hor- not horror directors specifically, but directors who were trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah. Uh, New Line was actually pretty open to giving new directors a shot. I think Rennie Harlan uh, spawned his career from um, a later Nightmare on Elm Street as well. And he went on to do such great movies as Die Hard 2, Mine Hunters, uh, Cliffhanger. I mean, Rennie Harlan's yeah. a good action horror or action. Yeah, horror guy. Is, it yeah. can launch you, man. It really can. It really can. I mean, there's a lot of people that came from horror. I yep. mean, the Juan guy came from well, horror. Well, yeah, Juan we did about, come from yeah. horror, and here we go. Sam uh, Raimi as well. Oh, Sam Raimi did come from so horror. So something I have to, a little trivia thing with Sam Raimi and Wes Craven is that, so apparently uh, they they communicate through their movies to each other. What? So the uh, prop for Freddy Krueger's hand um, from the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 went missing, and it ended up in Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2 and they put it, and it's hanging above the door. Oh, it's cute. Yeah, and so he put it on there, like you know, 
like a, kind of like a little jab to Wes Craven and Wes Craven ended up responding back in one of his movies like I think his his one of his movies was on the TV and the character was sleeping like it was boring dang. or something like that yeah so it was like dang so they That's were cute little one on one Easter egg there yeah they they keep a they keep a com- conversation going they've had a couple actually That's dope. yeah even after um, Wes Craven died though Sam mm-hmm. Raimi still kind of sent out one on his next movie I forget what it, exactly what it was but. It was kind of just as respect. Like That's he, cool. Because it was like a friendly kind of jab thing. It wasn't really like they hated each other or nothing. But it's, that's that's kind of cool between horror. Because Sam Raimi came from horror and he ended up directing Spider-Man later. Sure. I mean, he launched. I mean, you could say he launched the current superhero thing because that was the first. When I was in high school, Spider-Man was the first movie that was like the comic book here that they got right finally. Like this looks. You think so? Yeah. I mean, what else did they have back then? Iron Man came out later, much later. Uh, I mean, well, that's when DC was winning the war, I guess. You might oh, be right well, on well, Marvel. Bat- well, yeah. As far as Batman goes, that's different. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Batman has always been around. It's there. It, Marvel I, up to Batman that point. was the first one. Let's just say that. But Spider-Man really kind of spawned well, Marvel, I feel. Uh, man, that's a different argument Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Because there was Blade. There was Punisher. There were, there were some movies oh, that Blade were... Blade was so good, but that was going nowhere. That's like true. That was in a, like a bubble. Well, nobody even knew Blade as the comic book. Uh, Bla- yeah, Blade, the, the Wesley hardcore Snipes, fans. that first movie... That first movie is a classic. Stephen Dorff. A funny story about Scream, because that's another one of those movies that yeah. I remember the theatrical experience that I had, because I was 13 when it came out. Um, so I, again, this movie was rated R. Uh, I snuck into the theater with a group of friends. <laughs> and upon exiting the theater, we actually had an exit poll from a local newspaper asking us what we thought of the movie. And here they are asking a bunch of 13-year-olds. They think we're 17, uh, obviously. because Well, actually, you know, the the leniency on letting kids sneak into rated R stuff was pretty open back then. It wasn't like some weird looking guy standing in front of the theater carting you as you walked in. You could get in if you wanted to, but we were exit pulled on the way out of scream. I don't remember the questions exactly because it was so long ago, but we were asked how we felt about the movie, what we, if we thought there was uh, too much blood and and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool. I remember that night and that whole experience of scream being a very unique theatrical experience for me and to touch on that scream was the reboot of slashers for me it was the it was the rebooting of the slasher subgenre uh for me and since then it's carried the torch for what we've got nowadays now the torch bearer for slasher movies is the movie i'm going to talk about next and that's 1978 halloween uh, yes. So John Carpenter is uh, admittedly one of my favorite directors of all time, if not my favorite. Uh, this was not the first movie that I saw of his. This was a movie that I stayed away from for a very long time because of the reputation of the movie and because of, well, just uh, honestly, my dad saw it when he was growing up and he let me know how scary this movie was when he saw it. And so I, I had that precedent to go off of as a kid. And when you're a kid and you hear talk of certain movies and certain certain aspects of movies, your curiosity's there, but at the same time, you don't want you stay away from some of the stuff. I stayed away from Hellraiser until I was in my mid twenties because, well, the Let's name the is Hellraiser. Him. Pinhead is very he's very that's a dominating figure, and you know what Pinhead looks like. You know what the movie's about. So I didn't want to see that until I was ready for it. Halloween's another one of those movies where I knew what it was about. 
and I was a little scared to to watch it up until a certain point in my life. And I think I was 19 or 20 when I saw this for the first time at home alone. And every scene of that movie means so much to me. Every little tidbit is amazing in my opinion. The uh, score, of course, is one of the greatest scores in the history of movies, period. The tone of that movie, the colors of that movie, the non-fake jump scares of that movie are nuts. Uh, Within 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes of this movie, after we see the 1963 flashback where Kid Michael kills his uh, sister and gets incarcerated and all that, uh, after all that takes place, within about 10 minutes, it's the scene where Jamie Lee Curtis is in her room and she looks out of her bedroom window and the wind's flailing and Michael is standing in, in the clothing line, uh, masking with the laundry hanging from the clothing line, just staring at her. And, of course, the infamous face, the mask, uh, which was molded off of William Shatner's face. Was uh, it? Yeah. that's Dang, because I thought it was Mariah Carey. <laughs> Mariah Carey wasn't around in 79, but that's a good one. 78, yeah. sorry. Put a little wig on it, I'm telling you. It yeah. ruins it for you. <laughs> I Hold on a second. Shatner. The high cheekbones, bro. I can't stop thinking about it now. Dude, what, there's Mariah a whole Carey, about this. You've really? never seen it? No, nah, I don't yes. pay attention to this. But oh. she could be Ghostface, too, because Ghostface has them cheeks, too. Uh, and <laughs> no, Seriously, there's a meme about it. They put a wig on it, and it looks just like Mariah Carey. They have it right next to her. All right. N- none of the viewers okay. will be able to see this, but I, I got to show you this. Does this look like Ghostface? I used to do this as a kid. You'd pinch your cheeks. Oh, you, it, yeah, I remember that you face. you get it going. That one, yeah. Yeah, that shit is fucking freaky, bro. And... The scariest face in horror, period, for me, is Michael Myers. Over Jason, over Freddy, over... I can deal with them. I can't deal with the lifelessness of Michael Myers. Can't deal with Mariah Carey. <laughs> That's what it is. You're stuck on Mariah Carey. <laughs> no, I love that movie too, man. I love. You know, I even put one and two together because it really yeah, felt like... Yeah, it's a like, continuation. Yeah. It is... Um, it's and it what was perfect, the cliffhanger. It's what Rob Zombie did with uh, his remakes. It is a continuation and... Uh, I haven't seen them yet. I'm, they're okay. They're okay. I'm worried because I like Rob Zombie. They're good. They're good, but they're not Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. Um, Look, man, after H2O, I'm ready for something because... <laughs> Well, they re- the latest one's great. The 2018 David Gordon Green re-envisioning of Halloween is really yeah, phenomenal. Because I just, I don't know if I could take, I mean, who was it that kicked his ass? Uh, Buster Rhymes? Fucking yeah, really beat that, up. Was that was Resurrection, bro. Yeah. Oh my God. Hey, if Buster Rhymes is in another how, horror movie, how get the Buster fuck Rhymes going to go toe-to-toe with Michael Myers, He's man. not going to. can't. Nah, and all those <laughs> I kids. like Buster Rhymes. I like your rap, bro, but come on. Yeah, nah. You should have taken one for the team on that one. Just get a knife in the throat or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, that movie was terrible. H two O was okay. Uh, it got a lot of it got a lot of hate, but I was okay with it. The only thing I didn't like about H two O was the mask uh, Michael Myers had. It looked. Way I don't even remember. I saw in the theater, but I was just like, mm, yeah, because you know what? For me, I think after the sixth one, I was just like, I'm out. After yeah. the sixth one, I was like, after all, all the ones after that, I was just like, because the fourth and fifth one were cool because it was like the niece of Michael yes. Myers. And like I think I was around connected. her age when I was watching them. Oh, I was shit. around like nine to eleven or something like that. I mm-hmm. rented all of them from Blockbuster and watched them like straight, like one through three, and then I went got four through six. There's at the a time. producer's cut of the one with Paul Rudd in it that's actually pretty good. I think that's Halloween Six, um, the Revenge of Michael Myers. Was, Paul, was that Paul Rudd Paul in Rudd, there? Yeah. Holy crap! He he played the the guy that was with him. The yes. one that, 
Oh man, I totally forgot. Well, there's that a was producer's cut of that movie that actually redeems it from being a shit show. Um, but that's neither here the nor curse there. Curse of Check Michael out. Myers. Yeah, that's that one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you, this is that series where I do confuse the names, uh, the extended names of the sequels because there, there's the curse, the revenge. Uh, yeah. There's there's some weird ones. The, I like the fourth and fifth one though. The the girl that played that one, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, she actually reprised a role later in the new ones. I think the Rob Zombie one. And the, the first Rob one, Zombie one, she gets killed in in the carpet or something. Ah, uh, yes. Like that. And like so, I was like, okay, I'll watch this one. That's, I think that's the reason why I watched it. The one from last year, from 2018, uh, one of my favorite horror movies of 2018 for sure. And oh, yeah? I would highly recommend that one. But it's it's received uh, mixed reviews as well. But I think it's getting negative reactions from the people that never liked the Halloween series in the first place. It's from oh, the newcomers. Man. It's from the folks that n- hadn't seen the original. And I don't know how you can not have seen the original because like scream is the hard reboot for slashers this is the torchbearer for slasher movies in my opinion some people will say it was the italian giallo stuff and that there's some elements of that that bled over into slasher movies and some people will say it's uh because there are it's psycho and stuff like that uh, i get it those laid the foundation but from start to finish this is the starting point for slashers in my opinion and mm-hmm. it is intense. Yeah, so the the Halloween movies, the producer's cut of the one with Paul Rudd, really good. But all of those movies, the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh one, they bleed into the same like weird Kamigachi ball for me. And I can't separate them out as unique movies themselves, except for that producer's cut. It's, it's amazing. Then you get into the not-so-modern, modern modern takes, uh, H2O and Resurrection. Those are complete trash. Throw them out the window. But the Rob Zombie reimaginings of Halloween were okay with me. And like I've said already, the 2018 one, top of the line. So... To I go have to from, see it now. Yeah, you have to. That is a... It's a good movie. It's got its nuances that... I can look past, but the intensity level is there. Michael Myers is there. Jamie Lee Curtis still somehow is a good Laurie Strode. And seeing her age throughout the whole thing, I'm okay with it. And she was, she's been sort of the bright moments, even in the worst Halloween movies. Like H2O, she's okay in. I, I like her. H2O gets a bad rap, but that's that's another uh, that's another <laughs> deep talk there. So yeah, yeah, Halloween is that movie on my list. Just I'm glad you brought that. It's up. gotta yeah. be, bro. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, like they got everything right with that first one. It's it's a monumental yeah. achievement. The and doctor, what's his name? Uh, uh, Loomis. Yeah, Doctor Loomis, yeah, played man. by uh, oh, I forget his why name. Why do I forget his name? <sighs> He's such a classic actor. Donald Pleasance. Jeez, I should never forget Donald Pleasance. You know what's strange about... So that guy, he was in this movie that I used to watch when I was a kid. It was called Phenomena. Uh, Argento movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Dude, you know this movie? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Growing up, I didn't know anybody that knew... It's a creepy movie. I didn't even know the title of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, my dad had, like, VHS tapes with, like, three scary movies on it. And I just remember this movie came up and... Jennifer Hand, Connelly was on, in it, right? With slashes. Yes, it was well, one of those bro, orange similar... ones too. You remember yeah, the orange? Absolutely. And I was like, "What is this movie?" It freaked me out. What is this movie with like flies and mm-hmm. like this kid has mm-hmm. like really messed up face and he's killing people? Like, what's going?
going on? And I, all my life, sometimes I look back on movies like that that I saw as a kid that I didn't know what it really was. And I wondered, did this affect me in some way? Like, is there's is this a reason why I like this and don't like that? Yeah. Like this. And so, I don't know. It just, that movie affected me. It's yeah. nothing like in my... I guess I could say it was somewhat a favorite because I watched it as a kid, but sure. I don't watch it anymore. But There's that, a lot that of guy good was Argento in that movie. Stuff. Yeah, Donald Pleasance is a superb character actor, and his, I mean, his most infamous role is Doctor Loomis, in my opinion. Yes, for sure. Just so a little bit more about uh, why Halloween's on my five favorites, and this harkens back to Michael Myers, the demeanor of him, the ruthlessness of him. You the can calmness, see, the even, calmness, like, the the planned out, very articulate uh, form of killing his victims is very. It, it's thought out. Uh, Jason, you can say, is the closest parallel, but he's more of just the physical presence. Yeah. Uh, he's slow. He's Michael Myers has some of the best kills. Though. Michael Myers has some speed to him, dog. He and he's got these. The mask itself is dead. Masks are important in slasher movies. Yeah. I don't know a really. We don't want to see the guy's face. Yeah, we don't want to see the guy's face. There's a couple of decent '80s slashers where you see the guy's face, like uh, Final Exams, one of them, and stuff like that. But um, a great slasher slasher movie, one that is remembered for all time, has to have a mask. And this is the best mask. Mask in horror, period. In my opinion, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll stick. People to might that. say Jason, but people might say Jason, yeah. but that's it's just a hockey mask. Phantom of the Opera. Uh, it's half a mask. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, the, one of the best kills ever, Michael Myers. I'm gonna put this up there. In the there's first, a, I think it's in the fourth. It might be the fourth. I th- it's the one where they're trapped in a house and there's a cops in there and there's this guy that has a double barrel shotgun mm. and he tries to shoot Michael Myers. He's coming up the stairs. And he, Michael Myers, he does got some speed. He grabs the yeah, shotgun bef- um, before, and he, and he kills that guy. And he uses this shotgun. You think he's gonna shoot the girl that the guy was sleeping with? Uh-huh. And he throws the shotgun in her stomach, and she gets impaled to the wall. It was just like I All didn't right. see that coming. I did not see that coming. <laughs> All right, that's dope. <laughs> you you do need to watch the new Halloween because there's a couple of very fun kills in the 2018 Halloween, bro. You got to see that this year. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna see it. It's Man, just it's hard to. My wife hates scary movies. All right, fair enough. She's like completely against them especially the ones with demons in and so i have to sneak them in when i can like okay i haven't even seen hereditary yet i need to see this movie as well <sighs> there's demons in that for sure is there okay oh, yeah. don't don't ruin it for me All on right. that one i'm gonna see this soon All right. it's on amazon prime so Shout halloween's out. my next one uh yeah love everything about it and I, I think i'll segue since we're on demons a little bit and not that mike well michael myers could be considered a demon he's a mentally ill mm-hmm. uh somewhat uh, he's he's off he's not going through the psychotic transition he's psychotic he's he's had a psychotic break when he was a kid so everything from that point on is psycho all out dead he just wants to kill his family yeah um yeah he has goals the the next one i'm going to talk about is mm-hmm. the oddball on my list but i'll explain why it works so perfectly that's the descent which was directed by neil marshall and came out in 2005 i know you've seen this movie but you're going to need a refresher on it i've seen it multiple times it's got a sequel that's not so great uh, this is a movie about a group of girls that go cave diving and the point of their cave diving excursion is a sort of a reconnecting of 
all of them and their friendships and rekindling because there's a very traumatic event that kicks this movie off where one of the women is driving with her family in a car and speaking of impaling scenes one of the one of the cooler impaling scenes uh, happens in this opening scene so the husband is in the passenger seat and he's distracted um, by Actually, he might be in the driver's seat because this is an overseas movie, but whatever. Uh, He's driving, and he's distracted by his phone. And on the other end of the phone, we find out, is one of the wife's girlfriends who he's been secretly having an affair with. And so it's important to set the context for this movie. Sorry if you haven't seen The Descent. But anyways, uh, he gets impaled, and their child uh, suffers injuries as well. I believe she dies. I don't remember that little tidbit. I think her whole family dies. Uh, And she's spared, of course. But she finds out about the affair that he was having with one of her friends. And so... Whoa. uh, Yeah. So I want to say a couple of years later, or maybe even months, uh, eight or nine months, all of these friends get together, and it's sort of meant to bring this main character back uh, to reality and over the trauma that she's experienced. So this is a very psychological horror movie. This is, in many ways... Everything that happens from the horror aspect of things is symbolic of her journey to trying to, um, you know, jumping into a cave is a very symbolic reference. And not knowing what is down there is very symbolic as well. Having to navigate through uh, the darkness and sort of find redemption and... Uh, freedom from the trauma that has quarantined you and held you down for so long is the running theme in this movie if it's not a horror movie. But it is a horror movie. And once they make it uh, through these different notches and, and phases of the cave system, they end up at the very bottom where there are these demonic-like cave-dwelling creatures. So it's psychological horror, uh, creature horror, and there's more blood in this movie uh, than I think I've seen in any other mainstream uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of blood in this movie. And I remember in the previews, doesn't she gore. come out of the blood like freaking uh, Apocalypse she, Now? Yeah, Apocalypse basically. Now style, <laughs> and she's covered in blood. And granted, uh, the chick who plays the main character in this movie, I forget her name and I forget the actress's name, so beg pardon there. But this movie uh, stood out so much to me because. It is a psychological horror film, and I love psychological horror Darkness, movies. Darkness, bro. Yes. Blind. And the gore factor is ratcheted up, and it also blends in the creature horror that... Uh, there's not a lot of creature horror on my list here, um, and I love that aspect about horror movies, but it is, it's a little daunting. Like The creatures scare me a little bit in, <laughs> in intense horror movies. The creatures in this movie scare the shit out of me because... It also bleeds in some found footage elements because they've got this camera with them. And so you experience their discovery of the creatures through their camera, not the lens that Neil Marshall's shooting from. They're actually, you know, panning around sort of like, I don't know if you've seen the movie REC uh, recording. Uh, yes, from I think Spain so. Spanish, quor- right? Yeah. Quarantine. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're, mo- they're not found footage necessarily, but there are cameras, uh, handy cams that are documenting the surroundings. So it's like, a movie within a movie um and the descent well the title of the movie is the descent into the cave and the descent into this character's 
the darkest depths that this character has been and then the plot begins to unfold even more and all of these girls relationships are questioned and the stuff that they weren't ready to talk about surprisingly outside and in comfortable locations comes full surface in this claustrophobic environment there's a lot of gnarly um well when you're about to die yeah exactly must confess exactly um there i don't think any of them survive except for the one girl right She's the only one that comes uh, well, out. Well, that up for debate. That's what another part of this movie that I love. The ending, oh wait, yeah, wasn't the it a false ending? ending? There That's, are multiple endings, yes. and I, I know, I know, we like to spoil stuff here, but please don't make me spoil All this right, one, okay? Because this is one of the coolest uh, endings that I can remember, not just in horror uh, movies, but across the board. Because it's like you said, it's a false ending. It. It ends once, and then it ends again, and then you're left to think, which one was the ending? Which one was the real ending? Yeah. It's like Dark Knight, where uh, he flies out, and he drops the bomb uh, into the water, and you're like, did Batman die? Did did Michael Caine see him, or was he just hallucinating? I think he saw him. There's room for (laughs) interpretation. There's room, so much room for interpretation. I always always like to get mad at the main character that survives. I'm like, you let all your buddies die. You just let them. You, You brought them here. I mean, I hold an it to... I mm-hmm. hold the leader of the pack uh, for Eddie's I death. It, by the way, oh sorry. Oh, I mean, this dun, is what you dun, do, bro. Spoiler. Well, he king. dies in both of them. He dies in both of them. Okay. But I, I always blame that guy because he wants to go in there by himself, and he's like going to get everybody killed. Like, bro, bro, where's together. Randy when you need him? Where's Jamie Kennedy when together. you need him? Exactly. Like, man, I hate it when people get like real like emotional and then they do stuff. I mean, I guess you would, but still, yeah. like, haven't they seen any scary movies, bro? Like. <laughs> Come on, there's a plan. We stick together. We do not split up. There's just simple rules to live by, okay? For sure. Nobody has sex until everything's done, okay, until this thing is done, because if you have sex, you're going to die. It's just what happens. I don't know why. It just does. Because like, if you think about the serial killer thing or yes. all this stuff, it seems like the, the guys that kill are always killing the people that are having sex. What's up with that? Happens because a lot. Happening. Jason's whole Halloween. thing is about killing uh, teenagers, teenagers that are having sex because they were having sex while he drowned, and so sure. any person that was like that he, well first sinner. it was his mother uh, yeah. of course in the first infamous one of the better false end or yeah, yeah i guess it's a false ending but yeah. yeah so i mean i'm just saying that it's like it seems like that's something that always does happen for some reason yeah. if you're having sex in a scary movie you're probably gonna die i don't remember the last time somebody did have sex in a scary movie and didn't die you just gotta abide by these rules so descent I'm just saying. There's no sex in the descent. No sex in the champagne uh, room. Wait a second. Maybe there's like a they flash back to the affair that uh, the husband and but the, they died. The you see? Yeah, they they did die. <laughs> um, Not even by the the creatures. They died in a car crash, right? Yes, they did. Uh, well, the husband did. Not the girl who was cheating on she. She's one of the friends who goes on the cave excursion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we started the whole conversation off with the claustrophobic feeling. Yes, uh, this is the most claustrophobic I feel I've been in a movie. I mean, I've seen Buried with Ryan Reynolds. Obviously, that's oh, yeah. That's just physically claustrophobic because he's stuck in a coffin the whole time, so you can't get around the claustrophobia of that movie because of the setting. Did but, you see this movie in the theater? Descent. Uh, Descent. Yeah, I've yeah, seen all of been. these except for Halloween and uh, the the one that I'll wrap up my discussion oh, okay. with. Yeah, no, you got to hold on. You got to hold on for that one. Uh, yeah, the Descent is 
on the surface level, it's a hodgepodge of genres um, or subgenres of horror because you got the creatures, you got the psychological horror, and you got the claustrophobic cave diving. Uh, but that's it, it. It does it all well, and it does it all very strikingly, and it's visceral. The creatures are horrific uh, when they start coming out; like they're in, they're memorable. Like I'm scared of those things still. So, anyways, I love. They that could movie. fly, right? They were flying, kind of like pterodactyl-looking things. No, I forget. No, they're very. Bar- they look like Baraka from the Mortal oh, Kombat. Yeah, games. I don't like Baraka. Fuck man. Baraka, right? You know what? It, I don't like things that smile at me like that. Like, I think that's... Have you ever seen the movie called The Man Who Smiled? No. It's like, it's what spurned the Joker off. It's like a really old movie that was banned from a lot of places at the time for being too scary. Damn. And this was just the actor's smile. Like, he had a smile like this the whole time, and it freaked they people out, man. They don't fly. Uh, they're they're sort of... I thought hu- they did fly. They're humanoids, and they okay. have... Um, they have it's been like a long time since I've seen that movie. Ears. Uh, I'm trying to bring a, a picture mm. of them up here. We won't be able to... to show our listeners unless we throw a, a nice little screen capture on there yeah but yeah they they look a lot like Bar- baraka in my opinion <laughs> baraka oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay I see. in the movie it's a lot more dimly lit than that screen kind capture. of like ivan ooze a little bit uh a, a white <laughs> a very powder-esque ivan ooze yeah because yeah. you'd be blind if you lived in the clay cave for that's sure how and that would... they are blind yeah. that's for sure um so what do you think they came from uh, there are theories. Some Toxic people don't. Waste, huh? Yeah, some people don't even think they're real, and that they're just a representation of her trauma. Uh, the main no, those creatures are real, man. Uh, they are. Yeah, for sure. And How many spelunkers do you know? <laughs> they're all dead. Zero spelunkers. <laughs> Cave movies is an interesting sub sub genre for me. I like them all. I've only seen like that one, and maybe one other one. I've man. seen Sanctum. I've seen The Cave. Sanctum. Mm. Um. The Abyss is probably the, the closest is I've a, gotten to it. is a cave movie, I guess. Which was a great movie. Underrated. Yeah. But, so that's uh, the descent from myself. You know, for creatures, though, we haven't even talked about this, have we? The zombie creature. No, we haven't touched on zombies. We yeah. touched on demons, humanoids, witches. What's next, zombies? So for me, I'm going to do zombies do 28 it. Days Later. That was That's one of my favorite like scary movies because... It was one of the first times, because, you know, I, I liked zombies and all, but they were so slow, you know, and they were really the the danger was in mass, right? You could the take Romero on one. The Romero zombie movies. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like being overrun. Yeah, and plus they kind of made it a little funny when they had Michael Jackson out there getting the, the brains and video. stuff. Yeah, well, no, in the uh, Return of the Living Dead, I think he was in. Oh. Where they had somebody that looked like him. He was dressed like in that. Oh, I got you. In that uh, getup, but... um. Yeah, I mean, for me, 28 Days Later took it seriously. Yeah. And it was, you know what? That's one of the first movies shot on digital uh-huh. as well. And it was real gritty. Those guys, man, those those zombies ran like a motherfucker. That would be much harder to get away from. And, you know, they um, actually cast the zombies at um, athletes. They used athletes because they needed Good. them to do some, like, really Stunts. crazy <laughs> stuff. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean... They were flailing, man. Those guys were monstrous, and mm-hmm. and it was also a psychological, oh, um, I sure. think, horror because it was the wasn't, timing of it. Also, it's the people, 2002, the yeah. viral, 
the viral the horrors rage. that people were going through. Yeah, the and rage. Was, and I love that it was like they made it like animal activists were the ones that fucked everything up. <laughs> like they, I mean, they weren't the only, but they didn't know what they were getting into. They're trying to free these chimps in the beginning. Yeah. And then the chimp bites the chick and they just turn so quickly too. And they're just vomiting blood. Like it's like a blood. It was like illness. a rabies variant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Ebola really when you think about rabies it. Rabies meets Ebola. Yeah, because they even mentioned Ebola in the very beginning. Like they used it as like a kind of like a vehicle to yeah. uh, get this whatever rage out. And so. this is when Ebola was making itself known on the map. Yeah, Ebola was freaking mainstream. scary, bro. Yeah, it really we didn't is. even get into like contagion or what is it? Yeah. How contagion? do you say it? Contagion. Yeah, contagion. Uh, outbreak, things like that. Yeah. That can be horror too, man. Because oh, absolutely, plague shit, man. You how do you get well, away that's from what zombie parasites? movies are for? Yeah, that, uh, that really is right. They're the they're the horror parallels to the viral uh, outbreak style movies that scare the living shit out of us because those could actually happen. Uh, not saying that zombie movies can't happen, like in the zombie sense. I mean, we live surrounded by zombies right now, in my opinion, but that's for other reasons because their parasites. brains have been fried. Um, but no. the viral zombie is a legit possibility as well because yeah. we don't know what an epidemic looks like in the United States, uh, not in not on our scale of living at least. I mean, the Spanish flu and the yellow fever and all the shit from the olden days that we can sort of control now, we don't know what a new epidemic would do to people. Yeah, I, I really do think that... Uh that one is my favorite zombie flick because it just it took it to another level, and um, it was directed by Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle, who's great gone on director, to be man. an Academy Award winning director, mm-hmm. and his new movie I hear is really good, or his latest one that was yester- uh, yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah I have it on my queue list. Yeah. So, but I mean, if you don't know, he did Train Spotting. Mm-hmm. He uh, did Slumdog Millionaire. Sunshine. Uh, Sunshine. Uh, uh, underrated as fuck. Yeah, and 127 Hours, 127 Hours. So 127 it's like, Hours. Yeah, so he's, um, and get this, it was actually written by Alex Garland. Ooh, who, Ex Machina. Yes, and Annihilation. And Annihilation He's a director well. now, but he used to be a writer for a bunch of stuff, too. He also <sighs> wrote those movies as well, so... Um, 20 days later, of, he was a part of that thing. A and, lot of strength in there. Yeah, and that's an indie movie, too, when you think about it. Yep. It wasn't really... I don't think they spent a lot of money on How that How do movie. you pronounce Killian Murphy? I don't. Is it Cillian Murphy? I don't know. I don't know either, but I felt like that was his like launching movie. Cillian, Killian, Chillian. Yeah, because, I mean, he did Batman after that. Oh, yeah, and he did Red Eye after that, too, yeah. which he was phenomenal in. Which is also Wes another Wes Craven. Yeah. yeah. has everywhere, time, man. Yeah. That's a that's a horror movie. Yeah, it sure that's is. That's airplane horror. And there's a couple of those too. Twilight. Rachel Zone. McAdams is that one, right? Rachel McAdams, yeah. Yeah, he stabs her in the eye or stabs her she stabs him in the eye, right? Yes. Uh, I think that's the spoiler, isn't it? That's all right. Oh well. Red Eye's not that's one of those I movies do. you need to rush out and watch. It is good. Yeah, but man, twenty eight days later, I mean that was I loved it. Yeah, Survival fire. and it was just like ruthless. I mean yes. you remember that part when the dude gets bitten, he's like no, no, and she like hacks him with the machete, chops off his hand first, and then kills him. And it's just like that's the way it's got to be. And it goes from the city to the countryside very smoothly too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Good takes place in the UK, so I think that's why it resonates with us a lot more too. Because 
all the zombie movies that we'd seen up to that point were very U.S. based and very uh, they're very American looking. Uh, Dawn of the Dead's were take place in malls. Day of the Dead takes place in an underground bunker. Yeah. Um, the the horror. I'm sorry. The Good zombie movies. Yeah, the zombie movies that I'd seen up to that point were a little more claustrophobic and uh, closed off and in, in controlled settings. This is in an uncontrollable setting. This is like the happening zombie movie. It's it's where you're out in the wilderness and it it just plays beautifully as it rolls out. Even twenty eight weeks later uh, was really strong in my book. That's with Robert Carlyle and the scopes just a little bit. Yeah, bigger. yeah, I remember. It's the Scream Two version. I always remember that nightmare scene in that one where he's running and there's like that whole field of zombies that horde in the field him. and yeah. they're running and he's like, "Where do I go?" Yeah, man. Like that and dude. the music. Oh, the I, I remember that melody right now and the piano. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's I wanted a, to turn that into a couple of hip hop beats. <laughs> it, it definitely changed zombies. I think the movies it I made so people too. take it seriously. I think more because like, sure after that I saw Walking Dead and they kind of took that whole. I don't know what came first because the Walking Dead he wakes up from a coma as well. Yeah, and everything's already happening. He has to go find his you know his family. Uh, Rick, we're talking about Rick Grimes, but I I, I think that kind of spurred off. All these zombie movies. I mean, every yes. there was always like this cult of zombie movie people, right? Yes. I mean, Return of the Living Dead. I mean, George Romero's was really holding it down until Twenty Eight Days Later came. Yes. And just blew it open. I mean, you had World War Z that took its cue. These fast animalistic zombies, mm-hmm. like you said, that just pile up. You know, so like ants, really. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do think we owe it to Twenty Eight Days Later for that. It. It the really modern, opened it up. it's the hard reboot for zombie movies. Yep. Yeah, so and we've it, got two hard reboots on our list. Yeah, and it wasn't even um, that was scary too. But then the military guys were scary. Yeah, that too. Like there was that, that element. Was, it was like, what are they gonna do? Yeah. I mean, they're gonna rape these girls yeah. basically, and it's just like it's very apocalypse now in in that sense. That uh, yeah, it was a mix of genres. It was like it was a very realistic look at what a viral outbreak would look like and how the government. Isn't your friend if that happens? Not not always. I mean, they were a rogue squadron. A squad. I mean, there's no there's nobody in power anymore. There's no ba- uh, checks and balances at that point. So if you have like a squad and they're listening to you, that's your gang basically. I mean, you can say what you want. There's no more rules. You can take what you got to take, and that's why people become you know they become the scariest thing during a zombie outbreak. I think it's it's always like that, and I I love that survival aspect of it. Again, I think a lot of horror movies take into account the survival aspect they're always just trying to survive the night survive survive this initial wave uh survive this demon outbreak whatever it is but zombies are perfect for that and danny boyle alex garland they did right by it man he he brought him back for sure because like after 28 days later you had a couple years later um shawn of the dead Oh yeah, yeah. That Shaun was like Simon Pegg's uh, claim to fame, really. Zombieland. Um, I the, love Zombieland, though. I mean, I don't one know. Looks great too. Could you say it's a horror movie, or is it really just a comedy? It's a zombie movie. See, it's, it's, that's what Twenty Eight Days Later. It made zombies sort of its own subgenre yeah, of horror. That's true. When Twenty Eight Days Later is legit a horror movie. So, like, what would you put as like uh, Night of the Creeps? Because it's kind of like zombies, but it's like alien. Yeah. But it's like it's, it's like, like Slither. Yeah, Slither. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's like, creature unknown creature There's so horror much movie. different yeah. horror categories really you could are. just go down these subgenres. absolutely um and zombies are definitely one of those because like Zombieland, i love woody yeah. harrelson but i didn't know if i could put it on this list but it's 
a fun, fun movie. I oh, love for it. Sure. I'm gonna the second, see the one second one looks great. Yeah. I saw a trailer. They killed Bill to the, Murray. Oh my god, that was like the funniest part. Attached to the Joker was a phenomenal red band trailer for Zombieland too. Yeah, every, oh. everybody went crazy for it. Man, Woody Harrelson's back, but yep. yeah, man, it's uh, I only have one more uh, movie to. I've got two, so let's get to yours, man. I'll, I'll get to let's one. Get it on. There's not a smooth segue from 28 Days Later to this next one, but it doesn't matter because this one is standalone, very unique, and very. I'm trying to peek at his list over there. It's three one. letters: S A W. Oh, saw. That spells saw, dude. Yeah, it's that's gore. Saw that's what is, I put that as. It it is gore, and it's Psychological also it's gore. also the pioneer for the unfortunate subgenre of torture porn horror and uh, hostile. Uh, but it spawned a lot of great stuff too, like the French extremist uh, cinema, the French extreme horror stuff, like High Tension, uh, Martyrs, oh, yeah, Frontiers. All of these movies, I feel, were were chi- children of Saw, and <laughs> yeah, uh, Saw we came out in two thousand. <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah, that's a good good <laughs> nod. Um, children of Saw. This came out in two thousand and four, so this is. Right after uh, high school for me. This is right after high school for me as well. Well, not right after. I'm a junior in college, actually, <laughs> trying to shortchange myself here. I went to see this with um, a good friend of mine who was uh, and still is a big horror buff as well. We used to go catch a lot of the horror movies that I couldn't take, like the women in my life, to go see, but I still wanted to see. And so we saw Saw. I'm going to say that a couple times. Seesaw, saw, saw, saw. See. I think that was one of the taglines. Seesaw, saw. rated saw. R. <laughs> but you know what? It was that movie. The first one was the best. The first one is the best. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's again. It's James Wan's uh, culmination. It's his first. It's his baby. Carrie Ells. Uh, Bro, Princess Bride was in that motherfucker. Yeah, um, the, Tobin. <laughs> he Bell, sawed off his fucking leg. Or to, what, Tobin Bell. A spoil, spoiler alert. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, come on, if you haven't seen Saw, man, that was like 15 Saw, years ago, bro. Fuck out of here. This is a modern classic. You've seen Saw. Yeah, you've seen Saw. <laughs> All right, Chainsaw. <laughs> so, uh, body horror plays big into this because. In 2004, the horror genre had kind of seen everything that it could see up to that point. And then self-mutilation came along. Not that it hadn't been around in a couple of movies from, you know, Argento, uh, some Italian names and stuff like that. But in the American landscape, you'd never seen a movie where there was so much self-mutilation. And uh, there's not really a ton, but it's... One scene that sticks out, of course, is when he has to saw his foot out of the chain. Uh, but I want to I want to set up a little bit more uh, going into this. Needles got got to me too, bro. Uh, that's saw two. Oh, that's saw two. Yeah. What about the rib cage one? Uh, so many traps. Hey, man. Yeah. Okay. That that's one of my gripes for the entire series. Acid. Which is like nine the hand. Movies. That's not the number one. Uh, She's got to get the key with the acid in it. Yeah, that is the first one. Okay, yeah. Shit, I, I thought the needles the was the first one. one too. Didn't they throw that crackhead nah, in the there? No, the needles is the second one where they're all in that house. Okay, yeah. The which first one? So she doesn't get dropped in a fucking. Uh, it's like a room full of needles, and she's like, oh, she has to like walk around on them and shit. 
That wasn't the first oh, one? Oh, okay. That is in the first one. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the part where she falls into a pit of needles. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. That's the second one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, this seesaw shit can get pretty confusing. Yeah, there's back so many, the, man. Back to the first Saw. And if I'm wrong about that, because I haven't seen Saw in a while, uh, but I I saw it like 10 times from 2004 to 2010. Dang. I was in love with that movie. Uh, w- maybe the... I can't rank them right now because this is all off the cuff. Maybe the greatest um, twist ending in the history of movies. I don't know. It's don't one of the me best. On it. It's one well, of definitely the best. at least one of the best. It is. Don't don't spoil it. But that ending sent shivers up my spine as I was watching it. The ending was the best, man. Yes, and um, the psychological horror involved in this movie is what really stands it apart for me. Uh, I could talk about it for a really long time. <laughs> so. Get ready. I'm pretty sure this is a low-budget film, too, right? Super low-budget. Yeah, James all done Wan's in one baby, room. and this is like a culmination of his creativity. Uh, all done in one room, but it's various settings, of course. Um, it's all in the theater. Th- there's a ton of supporting, beautiful supporting actors in this. Uh, Carrie Hughes being one of them. Lee Lee Whannell, who goes on to direct uh, a couple of Saw movies himself and has spurned his own really cool career and put out one of the best movies of last year, which is Upgrade. Um, he was the other guy chained uh, in the room with Carrie Hughes, the doc, uh, oh, okay. Dr. Gordon. And Who's the main guy that plays Saw? Tobin Bell is Tobin his name. Bell. I was uh, like... Was it the guy that played Gandhi? <laughs> no. What's his name? Ben Kingsley? No, not Ben Kingsley. He kind of looks ben like Kingsley him a wouldn't bit. have wouldn't have gone it's with the a, Saw script in 04. You don't think? No, nah, not in 04. He's Maybe good, nowadays. Bro. He's pretty good. I mean, I don't know. He did Suspect Zero in 04. That was kind of shitty. Oh, he did do Suspect yeah. Zero. I remember that. He should have gone with Saw, because Saw is a 10 times better movie than that. Um, so the psychological aspect of this... this is Saw is about a guy who has a very traumatic... Uh, experience and has a lot of resent for people not appreciating life and not a, not doing the most with every moment in their life. So he actually is a very methodical uh, serial killer, but he doesn't kill anybody. He's a serial kidnapper for sure because he kidnaps all of these folks. But he leaves the he leaves the death aspect up to the victim uh, and he forces choice upon them which is a beautiful thing and actually pretty philosophical and ties into a lot of uh, Christian, early Christian sort of concepts there when you talk about suffering versus ending the suffering and just choice-making. What would you do to live? Yes. And um, the, Saw, up, man. the entire Saw series is so underrated when it comes to this because... It's what it's all about, all the way through. Sure, he sets the traps, bro. He killed them. <laughs> like he the guys that didn't make it, traps. he killed them. I yeah, mean, the dude like attached things to that girl's ribs. Yes, and then she couldn't get it, and then just fucking pulled her ribs out. Like I'll always remember that. It just traumatizes me because it's like, what would that fucking feel like? Like your ribs <sighs> just being torn out of your torso, and your like intestines are like exposed now. Like nothing's yeah. keeping them. That was rough, man. Was I- that in the first one? Oh man, you're putting me on remember. the spot. Or was that on the third one? Look, I just remember I why remember. I like so it so much, Philip. I, I don't remember the de- <laughs> there's so many kills in this series. I know, God, man, it it really got to me. That's what I'm saying. It is a, it is a gore fest. The first one isn't. Yeah, it is a gore fest, and it was one of the more shocking, gory mainstream movies that 
but it was still smart. To, yeah, Not only so gory, smart. but it was still smart. And that's at what least the first made, one. That's what made me fall in love with it. The first three are actually really good. And we had this talk on uh, the Mad Mags podcast. Shout, Shout out. out to the Mad Mags podcast and all the listeners of that one out there. Uh, but with I had two the, G's, by the way. Yeah, M A D M A double G S podcast. Uh, we had this talk about the greatest trilogies of all time, and Saw came up a little bit, a be- just for a glimmer, of uh, because it's not one of the greatest trilogies of all time. But when it comes to horror, it might be. Saw 1, Saw 2, Saw 3, if those were, if, if that's where it stopped, man, that story comes full circle by the end. And but it, it's not, it's at 18 now. It's Saw, no, I'm just I don't know. they just came if out with Jigsaw was the last one. What is Jigsaw? Is that 7, 6? No, it's 9. 9? Holy one. crap, I was kidding. I yeah, didn't think it was nah. that high. I stopped a long time. Well, this, ago, is, bro. this is the danger of horror because the <laughs> budgets are so low on these and they compensate for it in, uh, I mean, Annabelle. And there's some pieces of shit out there. Annabelle. Uh, I didn't see Annabelle. Ouija. Uh, there, there's a lot of bad horror mm-hmm. movies that have budgets in the low millions and make forty million in the first week. So of course the studios are going to be like, "Hey, keep cranking out this trash shit, and let's recoup thirty-five million on a weekend because all these kids love these cheesy jump scare horror movies, and we can just keep shitting them out, and they'll keep coming, and they will because young people don't go away. They keep, they keep coming. Like the thirteen-year-olds now will be the ones who want to see the jump scare trash. Because they're chasing the dragon. Years. That's what it is. That's they're chasing why? the dragon. They're like, I got that first thrill the first time. Let me get it the second time, but it's never as good as the it's first. It's never as good <laughs> as the first. Uh, and that is a perfect way to bring this Saw discussion to an end because none of the none of the spinoffs from the Saw series have ever been as good as the first. The first one is Shocked leaps and bounds. It's a mix of Seven and uh, Hostile, but of course it preceded Hostile. It's such a, a psychologically well thought out movie and I'm a sucker for puzzles. I'm a sucker for contraptions. I'm a sucker for scavenger hunts. And this movie does it all. <laughs> this guy know. said scavenger hunts. Like <laughs> I love scavenger hunts. Who doesn't love scavenger hunts? Come on, dude. We've got scavenger hunts oh, <laughs> for Saw. Well, yes. Be- think about it. Um, they, no, it's true. They it got to take, yeah, yeah. take toilet lids off and uh, stick their hands in toilets. That's hilarious, and, man. And keys are being discovered through uh, bricks on the wall. Yeah, there's a lot of adventure at the core of Saw, yeah. and I love it. But, yeah, I like Saw. The ending is what really made it yeah. uh, different from the rest, I think. Phenomenal. Yeah, I really loved it. But You um, want to watch it but for you a know, second time. One right of after. the best movies probably ever made. And it's on your list is The Shining. Uh, there is definitely a following for The Shining, man. Like, even I am a little. I love seeing the behind the scenes of it, like Jack yes. Nicholson getting hyped up to like get into character, and you know the stories. And I Stanley Kubrick. I'm I'm really deep into Stanley Kubrick, like of late, man. I've been watching these documentaries on the people that worked with him. You know, like the actor that was in um, uh, what's the Barry Lyndon. He decided to quit acting and just be his assistant for mm-hmm. like 30 years. I mean, he was a good actor. He was in pretty big movies. And he was like, I'm going to dedicate my, my my life to this guy because he's a genius. I love Stanley Kubrick, too. Yeah. Uh, gone way too soon. That's a three-hour conversation in itself because it, it was hot off the heels of Eyes Wide Shut. 
that he died, and that was a very controversial movie. Mm-hmm. Um, very. All of his movies probably broke up uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Maybe, bro. yeah. <laughs> I think that's what happened. All of his movies are so unique to me, and uh, going jacket. back from Doctor Strange Love uh, to Clockwork Orange, the Shining, Clockwork Orange, Eyes Wide Shut, yeah. uh, Two Thousand Lolita. Yeah, they're they're all so marvelous, and The Shining. Okay. So there are levels of of shining like fans out there and myths lore. Yes, I am. Uh, if you're scaling it out on a scale of one to ten, I'm like a six or a seven as far as uh, the fandom is concerned. So I'm not going to go as in depth as I could here because this is just a, a brief rundown of our favorite horror movies. Um, but I will start off by saying like Stanley Kubrick's way of picking movies was very interesting to me. Uh, after he did a movie, he would just go read books, and uh, he would try to. He was one of the guys who wanted to read a book and turn a good book into a good movie. Uh, and obviously, The Shining was a good book written by Stephen King before yeah. uh, on his estate in England. Yes, with twenty dogs and sixty cats and a donkey. <laughs> yeah, he's a weird guy, man. Yeah. Um, I respect that, though. You know, yeah. family man. He liked football. He was hot off the heels of Barry Lyndon, now that I think about it chronologically, uh, when The Shining posits itself. Because Barry Lyndon's mid-late 70s. And then after that comes out... Yeah, when was The Shining? 1980? Uh, 1980, yeah. yeah. And Jack Nicholson's... Uh, he, he's actually gaining steam, too. But um, that ties into what I'm, I'm going with here. Because after Barry Lyndon, I heard that he just read a ton of books in his office. And when he didn't... Re- within about five pages of the book he would know if he wanted to keep reading it, if it was going to be something in, that interested him or not. Dang, and he had a, ruthless. He had a secretary, too. So he'd read these books, and within five pages, if he didn't like it, he'd literally throw the book across the room, and he'd have a stack, oh, and they God. would hit the door, and the secretary would hear him. And then when he got to The Shining, uh, she didn't hear a book hit the door uh, for quite a ma- quite an amount of time. And this is a big book we're talking about. Yeah. So... That's how his interest in The Shining spurred was from his his routine of jumping into book reading. And he I heard the quote that he said about uh, the discovery of uh, or the terror of realizing that there's so many books out there that you'll never be able to read. It can sort of overwhelm you. And when you think about how many cool stories there are out there that you just don't have the time to read is why he was so obsessed with reading and probably why he would shut off the reading process so early on like five pages within reading a book yes i wish i could do that and i kind of do i give it a hundred pages a hundred i give it a hundred pages and i'll know like i'm not gonna go further i try to give because you know sometimes books take a while to develop into something good you know they do so a hundred pages is for me that's that's pretty good unless it's like 100 pages half the book then i'm like i'll give it 25 50 so after he decides that The Shining is going to be his next movie, he cast Jack Nicholson because he had happened to be uh, watching. Uh, he had been watching a ton of Jack Nicholson movies on the side. Who just doesn't? so happened. Well, at the time, I think um, One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, that uh, had to be out. Chinatown. Uh, so yeah, Jack legend Nich- already, man. Yeah. Legend. That's like Academy Awards already. And the chops that you needed to play Jack Torrance were very unique at the time. There weren't a lot of actors that could do it. You had to go from. You had to basically be the range of emotional acting that you could be from comedy, lighthearted, fun-going dad to psycho killer. Like that's the whole and transition of the movie at the same time, all the while. Yeah, that's the 
whole concept of the movie is this guy experiencing his psychotic break because of the environment that he's in. And he has to be able to showcase it through two hours and 20 minutes. So, yeah, phenomenal uh, casting, phenomenal director. And then we get to the movie. Uh, And the movie is just from the opening scene uh, to the closing scene. It's just everything is so impactful and everything is so meaningful and everything is so layered. The symbolism, the idea that this is a ghost story at its heart. Uh, and it's also like got this spiritual intensity of, uh, the kid who can communicate the actual shine. Yeah. The title of the movie itself. I'll never forget that scene. I forget the actor's name, but, uh, he's, uh, uh, chef O'Halloran. Yeah. 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 You got the shine. You got the shine. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the description of what the shining is, uh, eating that bowl of ice cream, huh? Yeah. So, So all the people out there with invisible friends and, and who talk to them, like I can imagine being a moviegoer in 1980 and thinking this movie is intense as fuck because it it was touching on stuff that we're still kind of not very understanding of spirit the spirit realm whether the ghosts are real which for a long part in this movie is a contemplation of the audience like is what's happening just a figment of jack nicholson's mind or not but i think it gets it's confirmed that there are well it's confirmed that there's ghosts uh and spirits at the point where he gets freed from the uh freezing room from the uh, freezer the the latch on the door gets unlocked and Mm. he gets freed from the freezer and he didn't do that and he gets out so unless all that was a figment of his imagination which sure it could be but anyways he was weak though yes he should have resisted that shit (laughs) i love the shine wife did the wife did, um, and that's another what part. What was of her it. name? Because she Shelley like Shelley Long. Man, she got abused on the set. Apparently, did she? <laughs> like, yeah, Stanley Kubrick was like berating her all the time, making him making her tired because he wanted her to look that way. Like he, you know, and she had a very unpleasant uh, time apparently. But you know, she. I think she only out. played olive oil after that, and she didn't really do much after that. It was worth it. Yeah, it was. It was pretty bad, man. So Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. That's Shelley it, Long's. Shelly Long, man. She's I knew it was Shelly. Another actress. <laughs> she's been in a handful of movies. Yeah. Um, so the setup for this is it opens with that beautiful uh, There's so much to talk about this There movie. is too much. Like, like the teddy bear. Uh, the teddy bear or the not Apollo the teddy bear. He's not a teddy bear. He's, he's a, yeah. a giant well, man bear. Well, yeah, but the but the teddy bear actually is in a couple other scenes like where he has the teddy bear during those like oh, yeah. so like the teddy bear scenes kind of alludes to maybe him being sexually abused. Yeah. Apparently, I mean that's what some people say. I mean, there's good indication that it's probably that. Oh, that Danny or Jack was uh, the that, Jack that Danny was being sexually uh, abused. Okay. So like, there's the, every time that they're asking him questions and stuff like that, there's like a teddy bear in the background, and then like you see mm. like the bear man giving fellatio to yeah. this like tuxedoed guy and you're like what the fuck where did this come from it's like left field but it's in there i can't think of a movie with more iconic scenes yeah. than the shining and that's i don't think that's in the book is it because uh-huh. like never stanley it. kubrick too much and stephen king hated each other they like, did yes, they didn't get along because kubrick of this getting, too yeah because yeah. he was giving a big fuck you like even yeah. like to the point where well it wasn't a fuck you it, yeah. was, it was more of an artistic I don't know. It was a big fuck you. Like, there's a part where there's a, supposed to be like a yellow car that they're driving in. And he's yeah. like, fuck you. He put that 
yellow car on the side of the road <laughs> broken down and he had his own car driving you're talking about the opening scene yeah i noticed exactly. the car is broken down the other day because i picked this up on 4k which you should go get right now if you have a 4k set and a 4k tv the shining on 4k is nuts bro i can only imagine because he um he actually filmed with the uh, zeiss lenses at the time and uh, i've been searching for the they have like a photography equivalent to it called contacts zeiss lens mm-hmm. and they have the exact um they're basically just the photographer's lens according instead of a cinema lens wow so it's you know it's it's just it's the same lens That's but it's fascinating just, yeah i've been looking for it but anyways um, the way that movie opens is beautiful. And yeah, I noticed the broken down cars the other day, which I probably didn't notice uh, prior to the 4K because I had terrible vision. You. Yeah, all right, I get it. Yeah, I mean, he was, I guess because Stephen King didn't like some of the changes or something, and Stanley was like, I don't give a fuck. The way this movie's structured, too, uh, the days of the week, well, it doesn't start like that. It starts with the interview, uh, mm-hmm. and it's his interview for a job at the Overlook Hotel, which um, is a real place. But oh, by the way, mm-hmm. I've been there. Oh, shit. So me and my wife went there to that hotel. It's in uh, Estes Park in Colorado. In Colorado. Yeah. yeah. And it's it looks like that on the outside, but on the inside, it is not like that at all. Well, not anymore, at of least, course. But this is 1980. Yeah. It doesn't know. And I they kept a lot of the original stuff. They even okay. tell you they have tours there and stuff, but it's... They, they, apparently, they uh, use a different prob- interior. It's probably because of the Indian burial ground... Uh, concept that gets pushed into the movie maybe it's it's, it's a completely a of, different inside the only thing that you would see in the movie from the inside of there is maybe the dining room okay but everything else like the foyer and all that that's not in there it's a much smaller hotel just the outsides like that so like many I'm, so many sorry to so burst your bubble there. it's okay i went there and I it's much smaller there. yeah it's that's it's, you know what honestly it's it's if you want to go there go ahead and go there it's not that big of a deal but Definitely is there, do the hiking around so there. So there's not even like a shining section dedicated to the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You can take a tour, but like I said, most of the can interiors you go into room were shot somewhere else. No, I don't think so. Oh, I think shit. people ask don't that. Don't go into room But it's not really like, the, I'm telling you, the hotel doesn't look anything like okay, it on the inside, enough. really. Except for the dining room, I believe. Is the hedge maze there? No, definitely not. That, the hedge maze was actually filmed, I think, somewhere way, way somewhere else. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I shows mean, you, see, this is, why I'm a six, this is why I'm a six out of ten on the Shining knowledge scale. So, <laughs> yeah, there's some super fans out there, and this movie deserves it, too, because it's, it's again, it's so layered. It's There's so much to break down, so many scenes, so many concepts going into it. It's really a, a perfect, it's a perfect movie. It, it's, it, there's nothing... There's nothing that you can't get from this. Yeah, <laughs> this there's movie. there's so many layers. There's uh, it's for the conspiracy theorists too, because oh, a lot of people, sure. um, not a lot of people, I don't know how many people believe this, but they believe that Stanley Kubrick was the one that filmed the landing of the moon landing, uh-huh. like that it never actually happened. Yeah, and Stanley Kubrick did it, and so. Um, people have always asked because in The Shining he's wearing an Apollo 11 shirt and yeah. like he's almost like confirming that maybe he was but people yeah. have never been able to confirm it so there's all these little things in there look Stanley Kubrick kind of, loved to reveal shit I mean Eyes Wide Shut is yeah. basically an insider's look into what Illuminati indoctrination would be for a powerful wealthy couple um, mm-hmm. I don't see how he could have ignored something as big as faking the moon landing and at least bleeding it into some of his movies somewhere down the road because he's that guy who throws you bones as the audience because he's so intelligent and he's got this this sense of understanding uh layers and Mm -hmm. and just the 
the facets of film and symbolism and what you can get across just by colors and uh, and strategic. I'll never forget the first time I saw The Shining, the intro tour scene where the family's walking around the, the hotel and the camera work uh, is on the uh, other end of the room, the, the main entryway, and the family's walking and the camera just seamlessly follows their walking path and it it, it it's just exquisite and you use a lot of steady cam stanley loves steady cam so he could follow the people even when they're outside there's that iconic shot where he's dragging the axe in the snow yeah and that steady cam shot is just so fluid or when the kid's riding his uh big his little big wheel, his big wheel around and you oh, come man. around the corner and you see the the twins just iconic shots like that and blood the tension down the elevator the tension that ratchets up specifically on that big wheel scene where he's going from wood to carpet, wood mm-hmm. to carpet, wood to carpet, and you have to endure that steady sort of metronomic uh, pulse of, mm-hmm. of, of what's happening. And then he's taking those turns in the hotel, and you don't know what's around the corner. It's just, it's. I, it's I would such also a tell people, movie. too, when you're watching this, if you've never seen it before, definitely. Um, you're gonna have a you're gonna have to have a little patience with the timing. Yeah, um, you got to remember back in the 1980s, people had probably a longer attention span. I mean, we're watching like we're five second clips, ten now. seconds. Yeah. You know, so you got to have some patience with it. But it's definitely worth it. The visuals are amazing. The depth of field in there. I mean, another the claustrophobic movie too, for yes. sure. Yeah, I mean, the acting is superb. The directing, it's probably the most well-made horror movie on our list. Oh, I, easily. I, um, the only thing I would say that rivals that to me would be Frankenstein. Oh, dang. I'm bringing it up. You're going with that? Yeah, that's, right. it's one of my, my favorite uh, scary movies. And you know, it, I think it was only a year or two ago when I actually watched it. I was much later in my life, and me and my wife and her sister decided to have this, and my friends, Angel and Alexis, we decided to have this Halloween, we're going to watch the Universal Monsters thing, right? Yeah. And so we started with Dracula. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, maybe we did Dracula second. We started off Frankenstein. And when I was watching it, I, I was taken aback by how well it was made. It how it stands up. The acting is still very good, and yeah. it's touching because, you know, this is Boris Karloff. Right? Boris Karloff. Yeah. That's right. And 1931 is when this movie was made, and it is still, it's a, it still stands up, man. I couldn't say the same for Dracula, man. I actually had to crack some jokes through the movie, which we saw secondly. But whoever, the guy who made, actually I wrote it down, the guy who made Frankenstein is James Whale. Okay. Um, I don't know much that he's made, but he's apparently made Invisible Man, The Bride of uh, Frankenstein. But he also did this uh, movie called January's End and Hell's Angels. Okay. Um, his last movie was They Dare Not Love in 1941. So I'm probably going to visit some of his movies because... Uh, like just the camera angles, the lighting, the contrast is is just breathtaking. Still ahead of its ahead of the way curve ahead of its time. There's movies still not yeah. made that well, and um, I would say just at the end was probably the the part where it's very obvious that you know that doesn't hold up is like when Frankenstein f- uh, or when he when Frankenstein throws a doctor out the windmill. Spoiler alert! <laughs> and uh, he you know the body looks like uh, you know a dummy, so it's. They didn't. They didn't have CGI back then. But everything else, man, that they could do in the camera, in the lens, it was just. It was a masterpiece, man. So it's one of my favorites, not only just because of that, but also because of Frankenstein the monster. Yeah. What it represents, I think, uh, it's it's definitely touching because 
it's just like a new life being made, just created out of nowhere, and he's and he's got this supreme power. Basically, he's strong. The infamous forever yeah. words. It's alive. Yeah, and yeah. he's a child though, like an infant, so he doesn't sure. know how to control himself. I mean, he kills this little girl by throwing her in the, the lake. First zombie in many ways. Yeah, I guess so. And it, to me, it just there's this moment. There's this really great. It's like poetic when they open up the uh, top of the castle or whatever and the light comes through and Frankenstein stops what he's doing and he looks up and he reaches for the light. Like he's... he's he wants more? Yeah, he's like, what more is life. this? This is good, like like life. And yeah. they close it and he becomes scared and and uh, he becomes angry. And I'm telling you, he's just like a, like a newborn person. It's sure. not like he's bad or good. It's just that he doesn't understand what's going on because, yeah. you know, when he kills that little girl, she gives him the flower and he's like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're throwing the flowers in the water and he runs out. He's like, oh, oh, he doesn't know what to do. So he, and he's having a good time and he grabs the girl and he throws her in the water thinking, you know, it's the same thing with the flower and she drowns. And yeah. like, you know, that's when they come from with the fire. So it's like all he is is responding to, you know, he has no idea what concept of death or life is or all that no, no, no higher plane of thinking yeah it's a clear conscience in many ways and sort of like the uh well he's a reborn man but uh he's a monster of course uh but it's 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 sort of a re-envisioning of what first man uh the first man was it's sort of an experience of the yeah. natural world Scared, around you confused. and figuring it out as you go I call him. I can call him Frank. Yeah, he's my boy. Uh, so mm-hmm. I call him Frank because of Monster Squad, and that's yeah. uh, that's what all the kids call him in that movie. Yeah. And that's one of the, Frankenstein is a sentimental monster. Uh, he's the most sentimental monster, I think, because he you you see his experience of of figuring it out as he goes. He's not malicious. Yeah. He 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 knows no better. Uh, he's just yeah. this. I think a really good thread about it is that it's about being misunderstood. Yeah, for sure. And everybody, I think, can can really have common ground with that. We, we've all been there. And so with Frankenstein, was he really a monster? I mean, we call it Frankenstein's monster because Frankenstein was a doctor. We know this, but we're just calling him what it is. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he really touches people because of that and he's misunderstood and he's killed for it. And like yeah. I said, it's not necessarily he's bad or good. It's just an interesting concept. Um, and it really kind of touched me and it was filmed very well. So I'll probably be watching it every year. I have the Blu-ray now. Nice. Yeah. Do you have the whole universal horror collection? No, because... I actually haven't seen all of it. We didn't get to see all of it, but, okay. um, I did see Dracula and I was very disappointed. I don't so think it didn't... holds up as high. Um, you I'm sure it was the scary Invisible back Man. Then. No, but the same guy that directed it. And that was in the 60s, I believe, so it was much later. The Invisible 30 Man. 30 years later. Oh, man. Or not 60s. Um, I'm not too sure when it was made. But, okay. yeah, but Frankenstein is definitely up there. It was a surprising pick for me. And it came recently, even though it's so very old. Um, I don't know why I've been watching older movies like Nosferatu and stuff. Oh, that's just cool, to kinda though. Yeah, go to back get the, you, you have to get the the starting point of horror to understand how beautiful it, yeah. it is that it's gotten to the point it's yeah. at. And it's important to note that most of these movies that I've picked are not really scary or not scary anymore. So okay. I think horror is something to touch on. Horror definitely um, is contemporary for the most part. Like there's going to be a time when the scariest movie is no longer scary. It just gets pushed and pushed and pushed. Shining's still scary, yeah. man. <laughs> I think for me, Shining isn't really scary anymore, but for me, when I look at it, it's like a case study. It's almost like I'm doing homework. It's like 
man, this is such a great movie. It's something that you can learn from mm-hmm. every single thing about it. And it's something to be a little bit infatuated with. Like sure. I, I feel as a film student, I'm a little infatuated with the movie, you know, but it, it I guess when I watched it, I was much older and it never really scared me. One thing looking at our lists, it ranges from 1931 to the most recent would be 2005. That's The Descent. We don't have a lot of stuff from the last 15 years. Yeah. I I think Paranormal Activity, the first one, creeped me out until the end. Again, a lot of these movies really let me down at the end because I felt like the whole throwing at the end of the movie, like I was like, oh man, everything else, the buildup, the the uh, sound that wakes them up, you know, or House on a Haunted Hill, like I said, that was extremely scary to me until the end, like this smoke monster thing. Like, no, no, the thing where they show in the video camera, like they see these doctors operating on somebody in an insane asylum. Yeah, that was freaky, man. 13 Ghosts had its moments. There's there's a lot of... uh, Matthew Lillard again. Yeah, Matthew Lillard again. Shout out to Matthew Lillard. There are... uh, I'm doing a Best of the Decades talk on on the Mad Mags podcast as well, and... Uh, there are a lot of good horror movies that have popped up on my list this decade. I'm probably the biggest horror buff there, if not uh, tied for it with uh, Miguel, who loves horror movies as well. And we have good talks about horror stuff. We should bring him on here. Yeah. He would love, man. He would. He'd really dig into they're, some of the stuff with us. But um, they're different now. They like, are different. Like Hereditary. Like I haven't seen that yet. Or Midsummer. Spiritual horror this is, is becoming us? a thing. Uh, you mean us? Because oh, yeah, this us. is us this is the us. drama Sorry. in NBC. It's <laughs> no, horror us, in some us. ways. I don't want to see like the... Yeah. Yeah. Us was interesting. Us was interesting. It was creepy in some points, but it was more of Get a, like, Out's definitely a horror on? movie. I haven't seen that one Get yet. Get Out is definitely it. a horror movie. Uh, earlier on in the decade, stuff like Sinister made my list. Um, Sinister. Sinister is the one with Ethan Hawke where he's a writer. Oh, yes. And, and that's where he finds buy, the photo. They buy a the house attic. that uh, is haunted has a history of a haunting and he finds a box in the attic with old uh tapes uh handheld camcorder tapes and he starts playing them and then it turns into eight millimeter but instead of snuff films it's well they are snuff films but they're snuff films of families killing themselves in some of the most horrifying ways that they can. I do remember this one, yes. And then in comes the demon aspect of that movie and the spiritual aspect of that movie because it's based on um, the lore of a demon named Bagul, who, and the the background of that is real. And so the best horror movies in the last 10 to 15 years have been those types, The Conjuring. Um, they, they've been the ones rooted in reality or some sense of it, but then turned into horror um, on the big screen. So, like the Conjuring folks, uh, the guys, the the two, the couple yes. that it's based off of, the actual story of the Conjuring is not real. But the two people are, people real. are and that's James Wan well, again. They said that it's real. They say that story is real, but I mean, we okay. don't know. I mean. Grave the Conjuring was good until the end. Again, it was just too over the top for me. Like, okay, you didn't have to go there. Like, everything into the else exorcism was scene. You mean, yeah, like, the like her floating okay. and stuff. I was like, fair enough. Come on, we've seen this before. Let's let's go for more subtle scares, guys. Where you do don't you need. Think, where do you think horror goes from here? We're in 2020. In three months, honestly, the things that scare me the most are real. Like serial killers okay. scare me. Like, have you seen the movie VHS? Yes. Okay. One of my that's mo- an anthology. So one of my more favorite ones, just because it is an anthology, and a couple of those stories scared the crap out of me. One of the ones that stayed with me was the one where they're the couple that they're driving cross country and they stay at this motel, 
and then mm-hmm. you see the camera come on and somebody's going into their motel and fucking with things and has a so knife. So home invasion movies. Yeah, then. and then it stabs him in the neck. It's just mm-hmm. like, holy shit. And then you see that there are two lovers, the lesbian lovers there. Yes. And they have planned it all. And you're just like, holy shit. It only scared me because of some of the visuals and the found footage kind of feel. Okay. And it seemed real, you know, okay. like something that, that could possibly happen to somebody. Yeah. You know, as opposed to the very end VHS where this girl's like turning into a giant bat demon yeah. thing killing all the people and she lures like, people on tinder do you like me or whatever yeah and that one was kind of over the top for me i've seen some good horror anthologies but, yeah lately, man. but i like that and i like the whole idea that these kids bust into this guy's house and there's a yeah. dead guy and they're trying the to strangers the is a good one yeah yeah there's there's still good horror movies yep and and like i said these movies that i'm talking about here they're not really scary anymore so the movies those movies still are a little scary you. you know what i mean those are good scary movies i just I couldn't watch them over and over again, you know, just because psychologically it might get to me. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, it's interesting that you say the slasher serial killer movies are the ones that are the more intense ones for you in yeah. the horror genre. For me, it's the opposite. Like, the only movie on my list that I'm not scared of anymore is Halloween. Uh, I, the Shining still creeps me out. Psychological horror freaks me out because when you let it get in your head and when you try to figure it out, there's no, there's no end. There, there's no end to it. Um, psychological horror exists. There's no resolution for it. So, uh, stuff like Saw and the stuff like The Descent um, and The Shining, for the most part, they set up these deep, confounding sort of um, mental mazes that we have to navigate and. And they don't go away. That's why they're the building blocks of other psychological movies that come out because they tap into the same recesses of our brains that can't figure some of these things out. And seeing it on cinema helps you relate to it. But that's why the the whole maze thing in The Shining is so beautiful. And, And the parable of that is that he's going psychotic as the movie develops and he's getting further lost in this maze and he ends up dying in the middle of it. Yeah. And see, that's a real thing. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? See, to me, that that's why real. The Shining okay. can be I see. scary. Somebody can like psychologically break down and just murder his family. You Absolutely. know, that happens. We know yep. about it. There's real cases. Serial that's killers. True. To me, like ghosts are scary because it's unknown. But white noise. The white yeah, noise shit yeah. is still scary. And that's yeah. so like things that I'm scared about are like, well, we can talk about it in the next podcast, okay. to be honest, more in depth. But things that scare me, one, the real things, two, stories within a story. Okay. Like and when we go into our scariest movies, you'll notice that there's always stories within the story yeah. there. But these movies are more just like my fun. These I can watch them any time. Okay. These are these they have pizzazz or they're just outrageous. Like um, like we were talking about like Monster Squad, right? Oh, man. That's like, I think that we were talking about off. Like, Starring Zorro, yeah. Duncan Rhaegar. <laughs> yeah, we were like, man, that's one of our favorites. We should go both go into it because yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize we could because like Zombieland is something the same thing. Yeah, vein. Zombieland, yeah. But Monster Squad, we, you know, with Frankenstein and Dracula and it's just fun, man. I mean, I really enjoyed that movie. There's like catchphrases as a kid. I mean, it yeah, is the horror, fun horror movies, though. I yep. wanted that that treehouse, man. That treehouse was gangster, yep. man. 
So I, I really like that movie. I could definitely put that on the list, something like this. But the scariest movies will definitely get because Sinister be, could be on that uh, list. It, Sinister creeped me out. Might it was a be good on one. that list for me. It's got so many classic scenes, in my opinion. Every one of those videos that Ethan Hawke ends up watching is standout yeah. and story within a story. Horrifying. Again, yeah, it's something it's across it. Family, but it's also uh, demonic possession and uh, spirit and lore and the history. There's a lot of untapped history horror that I think uh, could come out in the next decade, and I hope I hope we see some of that. Um, yeah, I wonder what it's going to be like, because the only really scary movie that still kind of creeps me out is The Man Who Laughed, which is from a long time ago. Interesting. If you just look at a, at a picture of it, mm-hmm. and it just, it's just freaky the way he smiles, and I'm, I'm telling you, that's what spawned Joker. Okay. They made Joker from this movie, and it, that movie was banned because it was so scary to people, and it's hmm. still kind of creepy to see it. So, you know, when you go back, some of the horror does still, but it's not the ones that are like the ones that are like with mutilation or anything. Yeah, you, you no, can, I hope torture porn's yeah. done with. I, hope I mean, you have centipede and things like that. The human centipede, get the yeah. out of here. It's, yeah. it's, I think that it has to do with the visual if you can oh, put yeah. a monster on there but you have to make it really look it's not about the gore or whatever grotesque it's about yes. the psychological effect it has on you because i mean you can even go to like a 90s music video like black hole sun mm-hmm. kind of creeped me out when there was like this uh oh, when their smiles got really big all you the know? nine inch nails videos yeah too. these things that are a little off that'll kind of mm-hmm. just freak you out a bit or even tool right they have yep. some music videos that are just these are the things that you need to like use as tools to make things scary because I feel like just the jump scare is not enough. Yes. We'll feel gypped. I mean, we might jump, but when we leave that theater, we're not going to be like, it's not going to, it's not going to resonate. Yeah. yeah. Like the scariest movies that we'll go over next time. We keep talking about it. But yeah. I guess cause I want to talk about it right now. Well, you'll have to wait until next time. Folks. I know, man. So I think that's a good place then. So we'll wrap this up, man. Yeah, Favorite, favorite horror movies of all time. We had some good ones, man, from everything from 1931 to 2005. Again, it's so interesting to me that there's nothing in the last 15 years because we've been at our most avid movie watching as far as our audience, like, uh, life is concerned. I've seen more movies in the last 15 years than I'd seen in the previous 15 years, and none of them... Well, granted, I've seen a lot of these movies in the last 15 years, but uh, not for the first time, and that that's, that's weird to me, because there's been more horror movies in the last 15 years than any other time, and they're sort of the the offspring of all of these movies that we've talked about. There hasn't been that that standalone like sort of hard reset like we mentioned uh scream was a hard reset for slashers um saw was a hard reset for psychological horror in many ways blair witch was the starting point of found footage um there there's a lot 28 days later 28 days later hard hard reset for zombies Figuring out what comes next is very interesting. I know one thing that comes next for us is going to be the scariest stuff, and that's going to be an interesting conversation because there's some stuff on my list that that shakes me to the core that nobody's ever heard about, and I hope I hope you've heard about them, and I hope that the folks listening out there go check some of these movies out because they're all worth seeing, and horror is just great, man. Yeah. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> all right. Later, guys. The Midnight Society.